When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Age of Radio. So I've been doing some calls, like you do, uh, to Republican Heaven, because we always like to have somebody on this episode. And I, I tried to get a celebrity of sorts, but nobody was answering my calls because I think they're having some sort of holiday up there. I don't know what it is. It might be Republican, which is very different depending on which side of it. Why, why are they doing it on the same day as our Canadian election, which is the day we are recording this yes, episode? no, absolutely. And we don't know the results yet, so folks, no spoilers. Uh, but, um, <laughs> don't call us in the past. No. The, the phone lights are lighting up. We no are not taking up. your no, calls. No calls. No calls from the future. Yeah, it's very different up there. And, and Oh, wait. Somebody's coming in. Somebody's coming in the door. Oh, knock, knock, knock. He seems to be in a towel. Yes, hello. Yes, yes. I am a conservative officer of the Republican Army of Heaven. Oh, boy. My name is Colonel Fitzpatrick Montague Scallion Esterhouse, Baronet of East Wester South Shore. Well, hello. Oh, shit, I'm a big fan. I don't, I don't approve of this podcast. You oh. see, I, I've come here to tell you that this format, this on-demand format, is an absolute slap in the face to men and women of the British Radio Corps that during the First and Second World Wars, during the Suez Crisis, during the entire Margaret Thatcher administration, brought propaganda, as you might call it, but really it was British nationalism to the people. And you are spitting upon that with your format where you just download it. You know, I, I, in my mind, it is only moral to listen to live broadcasts when they happen. When the videotape was released in 1981, I assume, I was against it. I spoke in the parliamentary committee, you understand. The videotape of what? And I was a po- No, just the format. The oh. very format upon which films, uh, instructional videos, and pornography were distributed. I apologize, sir. Please continue. And I said to the prime minister, who was Thatcher at the time, I said, Mom, the people should not watch things in their own home at their own convenience. That is the purview of Her Majesty. So for you, I think that you should be taken out back and you should be given a bit of the old what-ho like we did in the Second World War with the cherry. 
<laughs> Jason, I'm I'm just gonna hide down here. You he's, let me know he's when very he's very intense. Done. He's staring at you right now. He's breathing very heavily. <sighs> See, it's quite it's quite heavy. Um, sir, are you all right? Yes, I am all right. I've I've said my piece. Uh, go about your business. Oh my goodness! Somebody's taking the Lord's name in vain oh, over there. Oh, I must see to them. Jetpack. <laughs> Oh, his jetpack sounds pretty broken I, down. I think it needs to go to the shop. I don't think he's going to make it back to Republican heaven. The military may be better for it there. <laughs> change needs to happen, folks. That is the motto of our podcast. For screen and country, change must happen. But let's 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 maybe be uh, careful with the change thing. Well, you know, change, loose change, perhaps. <laughs> oh, get out! <laughs> get when I was a teenager. That was a cool thing. Yeah. People were like, "Did you see that loose change?" Yeah, I watched it too. Man? It was it was interesting. As a really as a, opened my eyes, dude. It did ask some interesting questions that, thankfully, I got answered elsewhere. <laughs> Jason, as you may have expected, based on our dialogue so far, this is a podcast about British film. Obviously, duh. Um, I am Brendan, and I continue to this day to be Jason. And this podcast is called For Screen and Country. And on this show. We talk about the BFI Top 100. That is the British Film Institute Top 100 British Films of all British time in the British year of our British Lord in British 1900 and British 90, British 9. And hey, while I'm while I'm here, you know, while I have a platform. Wait, wait, wait. You think you think you leave in the first 10 minutes or something? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm usually gone by. I'm usually 20 minutes in. I'm out. Brendan I just, just I just use old clips. Oh, of yeah. Jason no, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Your brother just cuts me in when he needs. I'm just going like, oh, OK, cool. You know. I mean, you guys know it. You can listen back. You'll, I'm going to turn it into a Weird Al M&M thing eventually. What I want to say is that while we're here, we have this platform, is that as far as I know, and you know what? I'm ignorant, so I may not, I may not know of it. But as far as I know, the British Film Institute doesn't have an official podcast. So I say to you, the listener, that we... Brendan and I, mm -hmm. should be the official podcast of the British Film Institute. Yeah. Now, what that would entail is that we should be flown to Britain at their expense. Every week. Uh, every week. We will go to Westminster Abbey, where we will set up our recording studio for the acoustics, and we will record oh, yeah. just Cor after Mass on Cor Sunday. Great acoustics. <laughs> great acoustics in that massive church. Oh. Uh, and we will occasionally have, um, let's see, Princess Eugenie? Is she a royal? What we're going to get Julie Christie is what we're going to get. Yeah, well, she's, out, she's living in a farm out there. That's true. She would, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, when she made that movie, uh, what was that last movie we watched of hers? The three-hour one? Oh, Far From the Madden Crowd. Far From the Madden Crowd. When she made that movie, she just stayed. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she made many movies after that. Yeah, no, they came to her. They like it was, it, was like, it was like during the pandemic. They like filmed it in her house. So you're saying that Don't Look Now, they just CG'd Italy behind her? Absolutely, 100%. No, they just, they, they, it, was, it, was, it was trick photography. They filmed her in her house, but then they did all the scenes with Donald Sutherland in Italy and then composited her in. I thought it looked like clip art. Yeah, exactly, 100%. That's why you see that, uh, you see like a, a clip, uh, a, that's why you see like a paper clip with eyes in the background. See, if you look carefully, Julie, this is actually Julie Christie's body double, and you can tell that because it's actually Ricardo Montalban. Yeah, no, he was. It was very early in his career, and he was very desperate for work, and he was happy. He had a, he had a great ass, was what it came down to, and so he was uh, in for the job. So Jason, again, as yeah. you can as you can tell, this is about British movies. And the thing is, we're doing a movie we love today. This isn't just me fucking around because we got a movie that I don't want to talk about. Oh, I love the movie we're going to talk about. Uh, Jason, I would argue many times we fuck around when it's when it's a movie we like. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I we don't do. think we, we want to give the people their money's worth, which that's is right. zero dollars. <laughs> <laughs> which is, I guarantee you, you will get that worth you every will. week, one hundred percent every week. Zero dollars and zero cents. I will I will serve it to you on a silver platter. 
We, we will send you a check. In the mail. It's on its For way. Zero dollars. <laughs> I think it'd be more expensive to us to do that. Well, that would that'd be a great promotion thing, though. Like I know other podcasts do stuff like that. Like Knowledge Fight sends buttons. What if we sent checks to people for, for zero dollars? <laughs> <laughs> what if we sent blank checks to people? Oh, that would be fun. It'd be like that movie Blank Check. We could, have you done that on your other but podcast? It, but, no, I haven't. But it would be like a reverse blank check because we would lose a lot That's of true. money. We lose a lot of money. We get a lot of insufficient funds fees. Yeah, we don't even have a Patreon, so uh, mm. oh, I don't maybe we're gonna get that money. Oh, oh that might be an idea, Jason. Yeah, to think might about. Might be a good idea. Hey, do people want to pay us? I don't know. If you want to pay us, let us know. Just send us an email with a money transfer. Don't say Yeah, anything. hey, that's it. We should set up a Venmo. Well, who needs Patreon? We'll just set up a Venmo. People want to send us money. Great. If they don't, then that's cool. Just listen. No benefits. No Just benefits. send us money. Just send us money, and you know what? You'll know that we're happy. Mr. Beast, if you're out there, just give us a bunch of money, because you do that. And why not give us money? <laughs> So, we are going to talk about a movie this oh, week. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, number 39 on the BFI Top 100, which mm. is A Fish Called Wanda. It's but a low be- number. But before we do that, we need to talk. Uh, we need to read some comments about last week's episode, which, of course, was the movie... The Life and the Death. Of Colonel Blimp. So, let's read these comments. That sounds like a fantastic idea, Brendan. About the life and death of Colonel blimp make no mistake they cover both actually they don't they don't he doesn't well the die death of his ideals sure sure yes the the death of the man he used to be <laughs> i'm not the man i used to be i died uh, yeah yeah and 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 you know what we say if you died that was that's because you're dumb yeah you're a big stupid head that's right yeah if you're so smart if you're so smart where's your beating heart that's right that's what i always say i have that on t-shirts and i wear it to funerals <laughs> <laughs> I just troll funerals now. That's, that's my thing. That's why you're not allowed to go anywhere. Yeah. That's why you're not yeah. allowed in any churches anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm not welcome most places now. But I'm here, and you, I'm still welcome you're here. You're here, you're queer, get used to it. That's right. Jason, I'm going to tell Katrina tonight all about that. Uh, read the uh, first comment. Anthony Bellotti writes in, and he says, One of my favorites. Great epic war movie with almost no war shown. Also, Anton Walbrook has two amazing monologues in it. The one about being a refugee and the one at the end of about fighting the Nazis. The second one, I feel, is still relevant, sadly. I agree, Anthony. Uh, kind of both are. Yeah, well, yeah, for sure. For sure. But I yeah, mean, the second one, I mean, uh, 2016 to 2020 was all about fighting the Nazis. So. And it doesn't seem like that is going away anytime soon. Yay! I thought we. I thought we we hanged most of those guys 75, 80 years ago, but we didn't. Clearly, it's hard to kill an idea, Brendan, even a Canada, dumb one. And in Canada, apparently 7% of the country thought they were okay. Well, I mean. Um, what are you going to do? Our next comment is from Holden Martinson. He says, I watched it a few years ago. Loved the lead performance. Liked it okay, but couldn't totally get into it. That's the most negative comment I could find, Jason. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey, and I understand. Maybe it's not for everyone. Uh, Holden, I want to know: uh, Do you get more more shit from people comparing your name to Catcher in the Rye, that Holden, or from Chasing Amy? Let Mar- me know. Oh yeah, I was gonna say Martinson. <laughs> <laughs> or does everybody walk around calling you Charlie Sheen because they think you're Martin's son? Huh. <laughs> if if Charlie Sheen was Icelandic, I suppose he's not. No, Lauren. And I apologize, Lauren. Schwinard. Schwinard? I, believe, I believe so. Okay, Lauren Schwinard. And if that is true, you owe us $20. That's, That's the right. rule. If we got it right. <laughs> $20. Uh, please, all the J- John Smiths, start writing in. 
We want to <laughs> collect that dough. You mean the Nazi from uh, uh, the Amazon Prime TV series? Um, why can't I think of the name of it? Pocahontas. About, no, it's about Nazis. Oh, the man in the high castle. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever that is. Uh, I've I've heard of the show. I, Great I just, show. Yeah. Anyway, Lauren says I'm not a huge fan of period pieces, but I loved this film. It was so much funnier than I thought it would be. It is pretty funny. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is funny for sure it's because that character is funny. the The idea of the stuffy conservative, you know, the the Colonel Blimp. That's just that's laughable. And I feel like a lot of Powell and Pressburger movies just have that natural. Even if they're a little bit darker at times, like even if there's bits that are darker than others, they they still have a natural air of being. Always bringing you back around to some funny stuff. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So our next comment is our old friend Sharon Horwat, who has seen the movie. Sharon! Not only has she seen the movie, she's seen them all. All the Powell Press that was, that was Ozzy Osbourne yelling your name out, Sharon. Yeah, he just stopped by for a minute. He's alive, so he doesn't stay long. He doesn't know where he is. No, he doesn't. Sharon writes, having now seen all the Powell Pressburger films, including Peeping Tom, that are on the list, I do think they all deserve a spot on the list somewhere. Colonel Blimp is so fascinating because it's a story about war, how war is fought, and the honor and dignity of war slowly fades away, which is amazing because it came out in the middle of World War II. That all being said, I did find this one to be a bit uh, a bit boring at times. No joke. It took me at least five times to watch it all the way through because I kept falling asleep. I still really enjoy the movie, but it was a bit slow at times for me. Hey, I again, I understand. I, I, I can't say I had the same. I was compelled the entire way through. And I have had that experience um, similarly with other movies on this list yeah. where, like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty, it's pretty uh, slow, but, like, I still like it. Yeah. Yeah. Some movies are harder to get through than others. This one, for me, was not a hard movie to get through. No, this one I didn't find. It's funny, like, <laughs> I read a review of The Green Knight, which I think is one of the, I think is the best movie of 2021. But that someone said, I loved it so much, I, I fell asleep like three times. But that yeah. doesn't, don't let that discourage you. I loved it. <laughs> I, I had a guy come into the store one night who had seen it, and I've never seen this guy before or since, but he needed to aggressively uh, uh, review the movie, and he did not like it. <laughs> because people thought it was going to be this big action movie, and that's clearly. Yeah, that, I think that was is. his. That was his view was that he expected this like. Yeah, well, maybe people should do their movie. fucking research. Yeah. yeah, watch a trailer. Uh, anyway, Brittany Keegan says, uh, "Love it. I think it breaks up what I call the century of progress story, where films take you through the greatest hits of historical narrative. The critical look at Churchill, which is what the film is slash was, is important to remember too. With the way that the way the history of that time has been written. Also, love the Wizard of Oz shout out." I missed the I Wizard of Oz. I must have missed it. that. What Brittany, happened, Brittany? Let us know. You can't, you can't say things like that and not follow up. Yeah, you I, exactly. Every time you post something, I want pictures. I want examples. That's I, right. I want. Uh, I want a footnoted essay, Brittany. Yeah, I want a bibliography. Is that That's what it's right. Called? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can't just use Encarta. And you fucking better use commas. And if you, if I see one Oxford comma. I'm gonna be happy because I like those. And then I want all the footnotes done in the old style where you have Ebid and et al. Oh God. You, I'm, you're triggering my fucking <laughs> university flashbacks right now. Sure, sure I am. But uh, uh, speaking of triggering, uh, I don't university, know why you didn't believe me there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's fun sometimes not to believe somebody on something that is clearly and obviously true. Our next letter, Brendan. Speaking of vaccines, our physical letter that was mailed to us. Okay, open it up. Shh. <laughs> crinkle, crinkle. Oh, here we are. Uh, Kyle Keppen writes in, and Kyle says, "Just lovely." A warm and compassionate look at a man and his failings. Also chock full of memorable moments. 
the flashback in the pool, the hunting game trophy montage, the fade out of the duel, and of course, the wonder monologue about the truth. Love this movie. Thank you, Kyle. I love this movie too. Those are all wonderful, wonderful things. All right. Well, Kyle, well, I don't know why I was addressing Kyle when Kyle's, I was Kyle's already comment. said his piece. Well, Kyle, I want to tell you about this next comment. <laughs> Kyle, listen close. Kyle, comment. Kyle, turn up your volume. It's going to get quiet. <laughs> Mike Salari says, this is seriously one of the most British films I've ever seen. Everything is so polite and about manner, even when it comes to matters of life and death. Hey! I don't think it was intentional, no. but I like it. Uh, hell, the f- hell, the film te- telegraphs its Englishness with the opening scene when Candy exclaims, War starts at midnight. This could have been straight out of something like Dr. Strangelove. It's comical. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The comedy doesn't diminish the seriousness of the film, however. It actually makes it feel more alive. The friendship between Candy and Theo is so nice to see develop over the film, especially in the beginning when it's hard for them to communicate with one another. The scene where Theo pleads his case to go to Britain during World War II is so well done as well. This is my favorite out of the Powell and Pressburger films I have seen so far, even though I've only seen this, Black Narcissist, and The Red Shoes. The color of this film, as in the other Powell and Pressburger films, is so vibrant and helps to give the film its character, although the character comes straight from the performance of Roger Livesey. So I will say this right now, Mike. Get your ass down to your local video store and rent a copy of A Matter of Life and Death. Talk about color. Talk about Roger Livesey. Check it out. You'll fucking love it. Yep. Get Peeping Tom, too, while you're at it. Yeah, sure. Why not? That's also fantastic. And you know what? Because it's a fun one. It's more of a fun one. Yeah. Watch I Know Where I'm Going. Sure. That one was less interesting to me than the other ones. It but was it's, it's fun. Got some, it, yeah, it's got some good stuff in there. What's the other one that I'm missing? What other Powell and Pressburger movie uh, did we do? Yeah, did we? I don't know. Oh, it must have been one of the lesser ones. No, I don't. I don't. Anyway, doesn't matter. We did, we did it. We did it. Uh, our final comment of the day comes from Gail Herrick, who writes in, and she says, Anton Walbrook is one of my favorite actors, and this is my favorite of his performances. It's a strange beast, this film, because how do you tell the story of a guy whose whole essence is that he doesn't change? It's hard to hang a narrative arc on such a man, in a movie anyway. Books handle this fine, so what do you do? You give all the challenge and sacrifice and evolution to the opposite supporting character, and Walbrook carries this and his big moments beautifully. Livesy does a great job also with this impossible task, and Kerr is sublime. It's an acting powerhouse movie for me, but as the first Technicolor from The Archers, it's stunning to look at as well. It takes a bit to get into and see where it's going. <laughs> I know where but it's going. You do know where it's going, but it rewards many times over on rewatches. All right. And this is one of the Powell and Pressburgers that I would absolutely watch again. This and Peeping Tom in a matter of life and death. Absolutely. No question. I And I think there's not one of them that's that I would consider bad. No, no. Or, even Red Shoes, which I, you know, I, I yawned a lot during. I still appreciate it for what it is. And the acting is great. Yeah, that's Red Shoes is not an English patient situation no, for you. No, 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 no. Don't even, don't even. Uh, that that would have been my nightmare for Good you to God, say that. Good God, no. I watch Red Shoes any day <laughs> over English patient. Um, okay, well, there you go. Thank you, Gail. Thank you, everyone, for the comments. Jason, our last task that we always complete here. Absolutely. As I vamp for time while Jason takes out his prepared notes that he made uh, several days ago, um, we are going to compare this movie. This movie is number 45 on the BFI Top 100. We're going to find out what number 45 is on the AFI Top 100. That's oh. the American list. And we're going to we're gonna decide which one is better. Jason, what do, we, what do you got? Well, you'll be surprised to hear I haven't seen this one. What? However, I am certainly aware of its existence and, and the final scene, which is classic. Uh, number 45 Porkies. 
<laughs> nope. Number 45 on the AFI list is George Stevens' 1953 Western Shane. Oh, okay. Shane is a pretty good movie. Mm. I think this one's better. I would say. I mean, I, I, and I, I, again, I haven't seen it, but I knew, you know, Shane, Shane, as he's like running off, you know, riding off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah, sure. But I mean, come That's on. Good. How can you beat Colonel Blimp? You can't. Well, especially not with that movie. I'm sorry. As, as, as fine as that movie is, like it, it, it kind of rests in the camp. Actually, you know, I, I'd say out of all the movies on that list, uh, The Searchers is the more overrated movie as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Maybe that's controversial to say. I don't know. Well, there you go, Jason. And you have not seen it, so you cannot decide. You must call it a draw. Oh, sorry. By default, you must say Colonel Blimp. But Colonel Blimp, for sure. Right. I think you'll be. I think it's a better choice, though. Ultimately, yes. On that note, we need to go back to your ears because we're going to talk about this week's movie, which is, of course. A fish called Wanda? A fish called Wanda. A fish called Wanda. Insanely 80s sounding music. We are introduced to a movie that you and I both enjoy very much, Brendan, to spoil perhaps the end of this podcast. Yep, The English Patient. Oh, no. No, no. I wish it had 80s music in it. It would have been better. <laughs> God, if Vangelis had done the soundtrack to The English Patient, it oh, would have been shit. fucking amazing. I was just thinking in the middle of The English Patient, uh, Ray Fiennes turns around as he's fishhooking some girl, yeah. and he sings, Take me home. Take me on, maybe. <laughs> take on me. No, he'd sing "Take Me Home" because he doesn't want to get sued, much like us. How we make up songs. But that's the, they say, "Take on me, take on me, take me home, take me on, me. on home for me." A fish called Wanda. A fish called Wanda is what we're talking about. Nineteen nineteen eighty eight, which makes it in the in the running for one of the newer films on the list. Absolutely, nineteen eighty eight, Brendan. The year I got my first Nintendo. Oh, that uh, you are an old man. I'm a very old man, and thank you, Mom, for that Nintendo. How old were you when you got your first Nintendo? I was five, Brendan. I was five years old, just five in November of that year. Okay. A Fish Called Wanda, 1988, directed yes. by Charles Crichton. Who Jason, directed yes. the Lavender Hill Mob, baby. Just, yeah. That's how old this guy That's fucking was. That's right. He was 77 when this movie was yeah. being made. Uh, directed by Charles Crichton, written... Exclusive writing credit for John Cleese, yeah. although he has said that credit should be given to Jamie Lee Curtis, Kevin Klein, Michael Palin um, for helping to uh, uh, make their characters. Given that Cleese worked in a collaborative environment at Monty Python, that doesn't surprise me. And that he also, I, I guess, sort of co-directed this movie. Yes, although he's never credited as the co-director no. on on camera, and certainly no. not even listed on IMDb as uncredited. No, and, and, and based on the story that I know, that he probably would not want that. 
because uh, just as as the trivia story, I believe is that the studio was kind of kind of cold feet that a guy in his seventies was going to direct this movie. Which you know what we say a lot of things about studios and Hollywood and blah blah blah. But that's a that's fair. I guess that's fair. He was seventy seven years was. old. But and and so the so Cleese kind of like co directed with him. But I still think he probably handled this mostly himself. He he was basically. If Mr. Crichton falls ill, yeah. Mr. Cleese will step up. Yeah, he was basically, I imagine he was basically shadowing him so that if something went wrong, he could handle it. Yeah. Oh, he's got a he's got a little cold. Better step in. Yeah. So Fish Called Wanda is very interesting for many reasons, but yeah. I think the first of which is, as we get into the cast here, Jason, yeah. our four main players. Mm-hmm. We've got two Americans and two Brits. Yes. Uh, we've got Jamie Lee Curtis playing Wanda. Jamie Lee Curtis, fantastic, in her physical peak, right in yeah. this movie. Hot as shit. Ever. Barely 30 years old at this time. Mm. Looking great. Um, the other American that we have in this movie is Kevin Klein, also kind of at the height of at his... At his physical peak, looking yeah. great. Mm. As, as Otto. As Otto. Um, and then we have the two Brits, and... Lo and behold, they're both Monty Pythoners. We've got John Cleese, of course, playing Archie Leach. Looking and, distinguished and older. Yes, and of course, you'll note Archie Leach, the real, la- real name of Cary Grant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which John Cleese said he wanted to use that name because that's the closest he'd ever get to Cary Grant. <laughs> and that, that's the actual, that's what he said. The, the closest he'd get to playing like a Cary Grant role in that movie. And, and Cary Grant in general, because yeah. he was a big fan. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we have Michael Palin as Ken, or Ken. Michael Palin looking exactly the same as he's always looked. Yeah, Fantastic. just like a few more wrinkles. That's yeah, it. Barely. Uh, we have to- now. This is funny. I realize this as I wrote it down. But the guy who plays George Thomason, who's like the original person on the heist, sure, is played by an actor named Tom Georgeson, huh. which has to be a funny little That's thing. That's going to be a there. fake name. No, I think Tom Georgeson is his real name, and they just changed the character to be like George, George Thomason. Thomason. <laughs> that is funny. I, I think so. Uh, Maria Aitken, I want to point out as Wendy Leach, uh, Archie's, yes. Archie's no. wife. She looks really familiar. Was she in Harry Potter? Was I, she Petunia? I don't know. I don't, no, I don't, I don't so. believe so. She's great. I feel like I've seen her elsewhere, though. John's real daughter, Cynthia Cleese, plays yes. Portia, his she's daughter fa- in the movie. And again, she's great. She's wonderful in that role. Yep. And then last but not least, Patricia Hayes as the old lady, Mrs. Eileen Cody. And let us not forget a very small, like, three-line cameo by the great Stephen Fry later in the movie. Who does he play? Uh, so when Otto's in the airport, he, like, runs into some random guy and claims to be, like, airport security and then, like, knocks him out and pushes him over. That's Stephen Fry. Oh. <laughs> well, there you go. So this is A Fish Called Wanda. This is a movie we had both remembered yeah. seeing and loving. Do you have a history with this movie? Uh, my history with this movie is that I think I, I believe I saw it for the first time in university. Mm-hmm. I had a horrifying experience where I wanted to show this to one of my friends mm-hmm. and he did not laugh nary oh, once. Oh, that's a shame. Was that in Dave? the movie. What? Was that Dave? <laughs> it was not Dave. Okay. Because Dave, I, pre- I, I would imagine, would appreciate it. No, it was not him. It was someone else that I thought was going to really like it. And I knew as soon as there weren't any laughs in the first 15 minutes or so, I was like, this is going to be a long... This person is a fucking cold person that deserves to die. I almost <laughs> I almost feel like they were doing it intentionally because they didn't want to watch a movie. Maybe. But anyway. Um, but yeah, that happened. Uh, but other than that, like I've definitely seen it since then. Um, it's always just been one that I've really, really liked. Do you have a particular history? Well, because I was such a massive Monty Python fan. Like when I was a teenager, I discovered Monty Python via the Bravo channel and they would play it every day, like at 530 after school, right? You'd so watch Monty perfect. Python and then Queer as Folk. Yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, <laughs> what? Like the circus show? Sure. Yeah. And then maybe some, uh, like some theater, some, uh, uh arias, uh, but 
No, it, it, I watched that every day. And so I became a big fan of like everybody in Monty Python, especially John Cleese, because he's fantastic. And so I wanted to see more. And I saw this movie was available. And of course, I think I may, I may have even watched Fierce Creatures first because that was more current to when I was into this. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did go back and watch Fish Called Wanda. And I remember really liking it even as a kid. And I've watched it maybe one more time since then, probably when I was in university. Mm. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw it, but uh, yeah. So it was great to watch it again because I fucking love John Cleese. And it turns out everybody else in this movie is great as well. And this is a this is a movie with a pretty straightforward plot, honestly, yeah, when you get is, down to it. It's a heist it's movie. It's a heist movie, yeah, yeah. So we have uh, uh, Kevin Clyde, J.B. Lee Curtis, who are two Americans. They, they claim to be brother and sister. Yes, they claim to be brother and sister. They are lovers. Yes, uh, at least, sort of. Really, at the heart of this movie is Jamie Lee Curtis. Wait, she, well, it, it, it is a known trivia fact that it, every male co-star she makes out with at she least does. once. Yes, <laughs> and I feel like that may have been intentional. Uh, and well, I understand. If- what she did say though is when she showed up to the set, she ma- she as a present showed up with toothpaste and gave them all toothbrushes ah! because she said this is not a thing about you being British, but it's just like you like to have tea and and scones yeah. at, at break so let's just all brush our <laughs> teeth before fantastic. we do these scenes yeah it makes me love her even more i love jamie lee curtis oh the fact that she she has a son who is super into like fighting games and video games and she will go with this kid to uh when well, he's probably in his 20s now but she will go with him to cons and she will go in costume i saw a picture of her at a co- at a con she was dressed as vega from street fighter 2 and she had the mask on for most of it. And then there was a picture of her taken where she took the mask off and her and her son, her son was dressed as some other character from Street Fighter. God damn, she's wonderful. And I feel like she probably doesn't even know who that is. And she's like, I'll do it. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, but she is the heart of this movie because she is playing everybody. She is the one that is trying to get away with, with this crime and is willing to fuck over everybody else in the movie to get it. Although by the end of it, it seems like she's developed a certain attachment to Archie, played by John Cleese, of course. And he it, wrote the movie, obviously. <laughs> also, I mean, let's just say it right now. Every man she's involved with in this movie is considerably older. Yeah. Even Kevin Klein yeah. is considerably, at least the youngest, the bit, the smallest age difference is Kevin Klein. They're only, they're 10 years apart. Yeah. So uh, just as a quick breakdown of the plot, they, uh, the, the, so Kevin Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Palin and George Thompson or Tom Jordson. Uh, are all part of this group, and they rip off uh, some diamonds. They they do a big heist, and they steal some diamonds, and those diamonds get hidden, and those diamonds are then hidden for the rest of the movie, and they don't know exactly where they are, and there's a key, and it begin you know it's everybody trying to fuck over. Uh, uh, well, shouldn't say that. It's it's Jamie Lee Curtis trying to fuck over everybody else, but everybody else trying to get these diamonds. And we see the the relationships between Jamie Lee Curtis and everybody else in this movie, and as the yeah, it's it's. it's it is kind of complex, but not even that complex, I suppose. Essentially, Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein at the beginning of the movie, yeah. so Wanda and Otto. Seems like they're they, the ones that are doing They're this. the ones that seems like are going to rip the, the the Brits off. Yes. They're going to rip George, uh, George and Ken yeah. off. But as the movie goes on, they, they set up George to get arrested. Yeah. But then, like you said, they move the money around. Yeah. They're not sure where the money is. Wanda goes into plan B, seeking out George's lawyer, played by John Cleese. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole thing. It just, it's like, it's a very, like, it's a very, like, wacky comedy. And we get a very early indication early on that Jamie Lee Curtis is in this for herself when Kevin Klein, rather Otto, is, uh, uh, he's opening, he's cracking a safe and she pulls out a lead rebar. (laughs) Yeah, she's ready to to crack crack him him in the head. To fucking knock him out. And then he opens the, the safe and, of course, there's nothing in there. And then she puts the bar away. <laughs> exactly. 
I want to mention um, Ken, played by Michael Palin. Michael yes. Palin, of course, has been in uh, a few other movies on this list. We've he's talked in... well officially on the list. We've talked about a Life of Brian, Life of in, Brian Brazil, in Brazil, but we've also talked about Meaning of Life yeah. as a Brit pick. But yes, he's been in two other well, movies. No, we haven't actually watched. Not Meaning, Meaning of, of Life. Life. Sorry, I mean um, uh, uh, the Holy Grail. If you want to watch Meaning of Life sometime, I'm more than willing. I cannot. It's too sentimental and sappy, just like Bruce Almighty, as you, just, you told me you, you off You just air. cry when that scene when Graham Chapman runs off the cliff being chased by all the topless women. I cry so hard because he wouldn't have been able to do anything with those topless women. Right. But then I say, you know what? It was Graham Chapman. Maybe he didn't want to do anything with those topless he, women. No, certainly not. He didn't. He had no interest. But he still did the scene, and that's why he was a pro. <laughs> I'll I'll have these, these girls chase me naked because I'm a pro. And unfortunately, Graham Chapman was... Actually, Graham Chapman was alive when this movie was made. I wish they'd have put him in it. He probably wasn't doing too well. I imagine not. But I wish they, even if he was like in a hospital bed or something, they like run through a hospital and there's Graham Chapman. Just waving. <laughs> Just waving. Hello. But so, uh, yeah. So, Michael sorry, Palin. What were you going to say? Michael Palin, Michael Palin plays, plays Ken. Ken. Ken is an interesting character. Ken is a stutter. And this is a stutter that is, you know, in, in a lot of movies, this would definitely, especially older movies, this could be played for comedy. Obviously, in the modern era, we have a little more sensitivity towards this. But I'm impressed with this movie because for the most part, um, there is a little bit of comedy that comes from the stutter, but for the most part, it's the bad people in the movie that make fun of him. We're not laughing at him. No, because like Otto is really shitty about it. Oh, God. Otto's, like, li- Otto's such a terrible asshole. Literally. <laughs> well, we'll get to Otto because yeah. I want to spend a lot of time on him, too. But yeah, it, yeah Otto is like, Ken! Like, yeah. you know, he's very much like that. Yeah. But what I do like about Michael Palin's performance in this is that the times where he is relaxed, the times where he is not stressed out, he doesn't have a stutter. Like when he's talking As to his much. fish. A little well, bit. Well, like when he walks up to his fish and he's like, hello, Wanda. Yeah. You know, like it's clear that when he is in situations where he is comfortable and not stressed out, he doesn't really stutter. But it's the stress that does it to him, which I think is the case. Now, maybe, folks, if you stutter out there, let us know. Uh, but I, that's what I understand is that that can well, be a, a factor in that. I can tell you my my stepfather has yeah. a stutter. Mm-hmm. And I would say that is the case because I noticed that. If when I when I was living at home, yeah. if he was just talking to us, you yeah. know, it was noticeable, but it wasn't like yeah, out of control. But if we're out uh, with a big group or you know multiple people, maybe somebody doesn't know, it's definitely more pronounced. So or I think perhaps he got angry, uh, ang yeah, at which. <laughs> Which, you know, I'm just going to say this because, you know, it's my stepdad and whatever. But, like, when, when someone gets angry at yeah. you and they have a stutter, that yeah. gives you more time to get out of the room. Yeah, <laughs> as opposed to that, it's more time to think of your response, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you actually are at an advantage, yeah. um, as bad as that is to say. But Ken is ultimately a sweet guy, and we learn from kind of the, the, the diegetic... The diegetic arrangement of his room. We see a lot of posters showing that he's clearly into animal rights. He, he loves animals. Well, he is sweet, but yeah. you know, later, I mean, he also he also is kind of like loyal. I think to George, he's willing to murder. Things. He's willing to murder. Yeah. He's willing to murder. And in the process, like he, that's the thing is that he's the sort of guy he loves animals. He loves animals, but has no problems killing an old lady. I don't think he likes people. No, for the mean, most part, no, and. As a guy with a stutter at a time where people weren't really sensitive about it, I totally understand why he wouldn't like people. Now, you mentioned that uh, I think the I think the only person he really gets a pronounced stutter around is Otto, because yeah. even Wanda, he's because, like pretty calm. Yeah, well, because he likes he clearly likes Wanda. Everybody likes Wanda, but Otto is such a fucking asshole. Like, I love Otto's catchphrase throughout the movie is that he drives a car. First off, okay, here's a question. Well, then, well before I want to, before you go any further. Don't forget that point you were going to make. Yeah. I just want to say that Michael Palin, ba- 
the reason his performance is so genuine and yeah. so realistic is because he based it on his father who had a real stutter. Oh, okay. So those things where you say like it's more pronounced yeah. around certain people, that's something he took from his father. That's something that's interesting because it did feel a very accurate performance. S- yeah. So he did want it to be an accurate performance and he did actually found a school yeah. for uh for, for stuttering in London after the movie came and out. And of course we live in a world now where the president of the United States is a guy that grew up with a stutter. And which he gets mocked for yeah, which by the other side, which of course. Ridiculous. But he, of, the fact that he overcame it and he can be because say what you will about joe biden joe biden can be a smooth talker sometimes you know he's yeah. he's he's very charismatic he's quietly charismatic yeah but anyway sure. you were gonna say about Otto. But i just Otto. wanted to mention that about Pamela. well so Otto's a total asshole but also Otto has a catchphrase <laughs> he, so first off i don't understand why Otto is driving in a left-hand drive car in in britain i don't know if you noticed this in the movie but there were times when they were driving in this cadillac and it was a left-hand drive american car I wonder if that's just their way. But I mean, that. Well, you know, Otto's also an asshole and he's super like, he, he's willing to shit on the British constantly. So that might make sense. I think so. And yeah. and also, you were going to say that he cuts people off yes. in traffic. And I think that's what's going on. Yeah. I think he's in the wrong lane. He's in the wrong lane. Because he, he's like, yeah. fuck this. I'm an American. I'm yeah. going to drive an American. And then he American. screams, asshole! <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? Um, we're going to, I mean, we're going to hear some of Otto, but I think, uh, I think we need to hear. Because you mentioned Ken doesn't like Otto, and we yeah. mentioned Otto's a total asshole. Can I we don't think anybody particularly likes Otto. In except this movie. for Otto. Yeah, Otto loves Otto. We we need to listen to a little bit of uh, Otto taunting Ken. Um, this is after Ken goes to visit George in prison, and George is like, "Hey, this heist has happened. I'm in jail. That old lady and her dogs saw everything. She knows our face. You've got to get rid of her." Yeah. And Ken hears this conversation. Follow or sorry, Otto hears this conversation. Follows Ken outside, and this happens. Hi, hon. How you doing? Ooh, you look great. I love your hair. You have time for a coffee? Oh, uh, no. Gotta, gotta have you thought it. about it, though? One thing, though. Why did he give you this? Eileen Cody, 69 Basil Street. What does he want you to do? Send her flowers? Do her shopping? Show her a good time? Uh, rub her out? To... He wants you to rub her out? Huh? No, no. He's going to kill her. <laughs> Fuck off, or I'll kill you. Limey fruits. So the old lady's gonna meet with an accident, eh? Shh. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> was, it, was it funny? Nothing. It's just that wasting old ladies isn't nice. What? It's better than buggering people. I'll bet you a pound you don't kill her. All right. All right. I love watching your ass when you walk. Is that beautiful or what? Don't go near him. He's mine. A pound says you won't kill her. (laughs) So we should probably explain earlier in the movie (laughs) for reasons that... Don't seem to make much sense other than Otto wants to just fuck with Ken. Otto and make pretends, him very uncomfortable. Yeah, and make him very uncomfortable. Otto pretends to be gay and that, that he has an interest in Ken. And so that's why he's talking all that shit there where he's like, oh, I love your ass as you walk away. Uh, he's not gay because he's into into uh, Wanda, Jamie Lee Curtis. He might be gay because he's into himself a lot. Yeah, well, maybe he's just self-homosexual. He just wants to fuck himself. Self-asexual. Yeah, self-asexual, for sure. Homosexual? What's what what's oh so so hetero is different homo is the same what's deeper than homo? Uh, I mean that's the name of my album first of <laughs> deeper all. Deeper than homo, the Brendan Wall story. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got nothing. It's like when Norm was like, "I'm a deeply closeted gay man." So you're gay? I said I'm deeply closeted. I'm deeply closeted. <laughs> it's a gay man who won't admit that he's gay. So yeah. 
So I'm gay? telling you, I'm not gay. <laughs> oh, R.I.P. Oh God, we love Norm. But um, yeah. So so again, yes, he's 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 not gay, but he's no. he's doing that too. And you know what? I will say in that scene where he pretends to be gay and be into Ken, mm. that's also not handled super awful. No, Ken is just very put off that he's all yeah. of a sudden doing this. He's yeah, not just like out of nowhere. Ew! Like it's not it's not an Ace Ventura he's just like, moment. This is clearly I'm not into this. And yeah, yeah, I'm not interested in this. Well, he doesn't like him anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like no. as a person, no, well, and, and there's reason reason to understand that because early on when I was watching this, Brendan, I thought that maybe I because I've seen this movie in a long time, so I forgot a lot of the details. But I thought that maybe Otto was smarter than he thought. But Otto is a guy that thinks he is way smarter than everybody else. He's the kind of person that reads Nietzsche, yeah, but doesn't understand yeah, it. as they point out. Absolutely, um, literally. But okay, the first time we see him, he's reading Good and Evil. He's got Nietzsche and a bo- he's got a book on Nietzsche. On his chest, and he's asleep. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's it right there. Uh, but yeah, he's definitely the sort of guy that thinks he's smarter than everybody else, but he's not. And it's clear that from his activities that he's dumb. Because there's an early scene where he, like uh, George is explaining something to him, and he goes, wait, what was the first thing? What was the middle thing? Or what was the middle thing? And, and you know why he kept saying that? that yeah. Why that was one of his little catchphrases why? that he says? Because... Uh, it, <laughs> when Kevin Klein was having his meetings with John Cleese about the character, yeah. that actually w- that actually line really happened because John Cleese was ta- talking stuff and Kevin Klein just like thinking and thinking and thinking about what he's going to do as this character. And then he literally would lose what John Cleese was saying and he would say, what was the middle thing you said? It's like that. It's like with David Duchovny in, uh, in uh, Zoolander when he, when he does the whole thing where he does the whole monologue and then Ben Stiller wasn't paying attention and was like, Wait, so what about this? And he's like, I literally just explained yeah. that to you. <laughs> so why let male models? Yeah. Guys, that first Zoolander movie is still great. But yes, Kevin Klein. Let's talk about him for a sec. Oh, he's so good in this movie. Blew my mind. And I like I, Kevin Klein. I like Kevin. Klein. I've always liked Kevin Klein, even if he was, you know, even in movies like Wild Wild West and In and Out. Like I, I even if they weren't the greatest movies ever made. Dave and Dave. Dave's a good movie though. Dave's all right. I haven't seen Dave in forever, but yeah. Me neither. I don't remember anything about it. Uh, I just know that he's not the president. <laughs> the president looks like he does play the president, but then the president, I don't know, dies or goes away. I think he has like a heart attack and they're worried that it's going to get out. So uh, they get this guy that looks like him. I don't remember. It sounds convoluted. It was a long time ago. It was 1992, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So, um, no, Kevin Klein is is usually great, but I think in this movie he is on a whole other plane, yeah, like really, a whole other plane of existence. He really has a character that he nails. Like he every every ounce of him is that character in this. And movie. it's funny because he's gone on he's gone on to talk about this movie and say that he had a really hard time coming up with this character because they would give him these lines and he said, "Okay, so I have really good aim." in this scene, but I'm also clearly an idiot who doesn't know anything (laughs) about history, but I also clearly am good at like fighting, but I'm also not good at this, but am I lying about this? And he said he had a hard time coming up with this character, which is a testament to him as an actor because he pulls it off. The the idea that he didn't know what he was, or that he was like, like not confident about it is not reflected in the performance at all. No. And this is, is very clear. And this is clearly a guy who's come from stage. Yeah, he started out stage in 1973, I believe. Wow, he's that old. Oh yeah, yeah, wow. he's he's in the 60s, I think now. Crazy. Even at this time of the movie, 1988, lots of stage experience. Mm. I feel like he's one of those actors that every time I watch him, it's like you know how some people they go from stage to screen and it doesn't work because like they're, they're too big. too much. They're, they're too, too big. big. Yeah. It's too much for the camera. I feel like Kevin Klein is bringing some of that, mm. but he's doing it at such a good level. 
It just works. Yeah, I don't know what it is. There's a cartoonishness to Otto, but it doesn't feel like it's, it's like out a, of place with the tone of the movie. Like it doesn't feel super underground. It feels like you could know a person that ridiculous. Doesn't he feel silent movie esque? He feels like a silent film star. Oh, because of his like physicality. His physicality, like his little his little cartwheels, his little like rolls. His there's a scene where early on, it's one of the first scenes you see him in, and I definitely didn't notice this the first time mm. I watched it. So that you know that scene where him and Jamie Lee Curtis start kissing and she's like, oh, I'd fuck you even if you were my brother or whatever. (laughs) Um, That was my first indication that they were together originally when I I saw this movie. What I didn't notice on the first watch or the second watch was that there's a scene where they're talking to Ken and he quickly grabs her boob and then stops. Like he quickly grabs her boob. Ken kind of looks over and as he's looking over, Otto, let's go. And I never got that the first time. And I was like, that's such a brilliant little little moment. That's that's something I've definitely done in my relationship. (laughs) (laughs) But like, of course, he would do that. You know what I mean? Of course, he'd sacrifice. He'd he'd risk everything just to do that. Like, it's, he's such an idiot. Well, he's yeah, he's he's such a weird maniac, and he like is is super jealous, even though he says he doesn't believe in jealousy. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, because he's he's with Wanda, but clearly Wanda is not in love with him. No, Wanda. He, I mean, we we know from the movie that Wanda is playing her. Playing play, play, yeah, exactly. We know that from the beginning, like yeah. you said, when she's about to knock him unconscious. Yeah. Um, but it, it, but she is really into language, languages. Yeah. So yeah, and and so, so it's funny because like he will go into this like clearly fake Italian. Yes, yes. and and that stems from Kevin Klein asking John Cleese if it could be French. He yeah. said, "Can it be French?" Because I can actually speak French. Yeah. And John Cleese is like. No, 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 it has to be Italian. <laughs> it has to be Italian. And so Kevin Klein, you know how he's saying like mozzarella, yeah, yeah, Romano. Exactly. He's just pulling out the bullshit. Yeah. That's that's just him. That's, that's just him running out of Italian words. Yeah, and that's why it's great when later on we see Archie speaking Italian, and it's clear he's probably speaking real Italian. Yes, and then he dismisses it as an ugly language. Yeah, and then and he goes into Russian, Russian, and that sets Jamie Lee Curtis off like nothing before. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it, and apparently when Kevin Klein is going off on his Italian uh, gibberish rant, he starts singing Volare, hmm. and he just decided to start doing that. And in the back of his head, he said, oh, God, I wonder how much it's going to cost to get the rights to the song. <laughs> <laughs> so so there's that. Um, why don't we listen to actually some of his quote-unquote Italian. Sure. Adosso buco milanese con piseri. Melanzane, parmigiana, con spinaci. Dove la farmacia? Yes, yes, yes. No, no, no. Si, si, no, si. No, no, no. No, not here. Otto, no, not here. Dove la fontana di tre? Not here, Otto. Um, mozzarella. No, not here. Parmigiana. Gorgonzola. He also, by the way, thinks that Vietnam was a tie. Uh, that was such a great line. It's like, we didn't lose Vietnam. It was a tie. <laughs> we kicked your butts real good. That whole scene with him and John Cleese. Yeah, because, yeah. of course, he pulls out the whole, like, we saved your asses. And without you, you'd be speaking German and be in the Russian Empire for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> I knew. I remembered he that he was great in this movie. Mm. But watching this movie now, I'm just like, he's such a revelation in this yeah. movie. And everything and, about the character works to it. Like, uh, even the way he dresses, like, he wears, like, this black trench coat and oh. he has, like, this this dumb hat. Yes. He wears this dumb cap. It's his not cl- a ball cap. It's just a dumb cap. No, his costume is such a mess. Yeah. Like, it's just saying, 
eight different things, yeah. and that's what he is. He yeah. doesn't know. He he re- he says, you know, I read Nietzsche. Uh, he says he used to kill for the CIA. Do you yeah. believe that? No, not at all. He's too stupid to work for the CIA. But then again, no, he says he used to kill for the CIA. Then necessarily he could have been a contract killer. The only the only thing that makes me believe there might be some truth to that is when he has that perfect aim. Yeah. Um. But. I mean, you could do. You that could also own. just have perfect aim. You could just go to the gun range a lot. It, right. I mean, Jason, fuck it. I'm just going to do it. I got to do one more clip of Otto, and I, 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 I'm sorry, folks. But- <laughs> watch this movie for Kevin Klein. I mean, everybody else is great in this movie, but you will really enjoy him. So let's listen to more of him. I got, I got to play this scene um, where Otto comes in and gets debunked by Archie's wife. By the way, <laughs> yeah. So, so let's quickly set this up. So Archie has uh, has been seduced by uh, Wanda. And they and he basically invites her over to his house when his wife is away and they, you know, are getting kind of hot and heavy. And then in the middle of it, uh, he leaves to get some champagne and the wife comes home and he doesn't know what to do. But what we don't know until a little bit into it is that Otto, of course, has followed Wanda there and is spying on things and sneaks into the house, has an in conversation with her and then hides and then manages to kind of sort of save Archie's ass in this situation. In his own weird in his way. Own, yeah, in his own which, stupid way. And he, by the way, he's there because he told Wanda, touch his dick and he's yeah, dead. Yeah. She, he, not jealous though. He doesn't believe in jealousy. Doesn't believe in jealousy. Why not leave my drink, Archie? Ah. Who is this? Oh, Don't you know? How do you do, Mrs. Leach? I'm uh, Harvey Manfrenson. I'm uh, with the CIA. CIA? That's correct, ma'am. I was uh, just telling your husband here before I uh, <clears throat> had to go to your beautiful bathroom. Uh, we've uh, got a high-ranking KGB defector in a safe house near here. We're debriefing him as of now, and uh, we're just uh, checking all the houses in the neighborhood. For what? For KGB. Is there any danger? No, 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 no. No, uh, no, no, not now. Uh, we uh, we uh, just want to keep everyone informed. <clears throat> so, Archie, thanks for the drink. Uh, sorry to have troubled you, folks. I'll see myself. Uh, up. Keep everyone informed. So there's no panic, ma'am. But isn't it a secret? You have no idea how secret. Well, why are you telling everyone? It's a smokescreen. What? Double bluff. You obviously don't know anything about intelligence work, lady. It's an XK Red 27 technique. My father was in the Secret Service, Mr. Manfred Jensen, and I know perfectly well that you don't keep the general public informed when you are debriefing KGB defectors in a safe house. Oh, you don't, huh? Not unless you're congenitally insane or irretrievably stupid, no. Don't call me stupid. Why on earth not? Oh, you English are so superior, aren't you? Well, would you like to know where you'd be without us, the old U.S. of A., to protect you? I'll tell you. The smallest fucking province in the Russian Empire. That's what. So don't call me stupid, lady. Just thank me. Well, thank you for popping in and protecting us. If it wasn't for us, you'd all be speaking German. Singing Deutschland, Deutschland, Funny enough, that song that he sings at the end of that, in That's Germany when this movie airs, they do not play that because that is a song, that okay. is a very nationalist anthem. I will anthem. tell you the specifics of that, Brennan. So okay. that, the the German national anthem, yeah. So up through World War II, yeah, they absolutely sang Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice, which, which literally means Germany, Germany above all. 
So needless to say, not exactly a popular thing to sing nowadays. Now, that anthem is still the anthem of Germany. However, if you're you know in school and singing that, they will generally only sing the third verse of that song, which is maybe much less nationalistic. Oh, for when you said, mm, I thought you were going to say the third verse of that song, which is just the song, mbop. Mbop. Bop, 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 doo-wop. No, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice is a... If you sing that in Germany to some Germans, they will probably laugh at you. <laughs> so, I'm not going to lie. Mo- a lot of my clips are auto. So, I just wanted yeah. to play those and 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 get no, a sense I, of how great he is And absolutely, is he is he is wonderful in that. In, in that. I want to, though, mention John Cleese in this one. Of course. I just want to say how crazy it is that a non-comedian, especially at this time, he hadn't done a lot of comedic mm. stuff, mm comes in and nearly steals the whole movie. Yeah, and and, and and that was good because then he later did more comedic roles throughout sure. his career. And of course, we know him uh, from Bob's Burgers. He plays the the landlord of Bob. Oh, does he? Yeah, he does. He's okay. great. And of course, the hilarious role of Bobby Darren in Beyond the Sea. No, that's Kevin no, that's Spacey. Kevin Spacey. That's a different story. That's, that's a hilarious movie. Hilarious. <laughs> but I want to talk about John Cleese because John Cleese, of course, coming from Monty Python. John plays Cleese Cary Grant. As, as sort of a Cary Grant role. John Cleese has generally played pretty outlandish characters or or incredibly like stage straight men against other outlandish characters. Um, and this is a different sort of movie for him. Uh, he's playing a very grounded character in this movie. Like he's not super outlandish. He's just a guy who's in a marriage and uh, wants to have an affair. And that, <laughs> and by the way, him playing a grounded character was almost not the case mm. because John Cleese originally when he was writing this movie. Yeah. He wrote himself, he wrote his character, because he knows, he knows his own strengths. Yeah. He wrote his character as much funnier mm. and much more uh, ridiculous and kind of uh, maybe buffoonish a little bit. Sure. And, and Michael Palin kind of took him aside and was like, I think your character's humor yeah. draws more from the other characters. Yeah. Like, I think the other characters need to be yes. the like flat out funny parts. They're, they're the weird ones and You're, he's the guy reacting to it. Well, it like for modern listeners, he's like the Jason Sudeikis straight man. Yeah. Like I think that, I think Jason Sudeikis, one of the best straight man performers yeah. in a Saturday Night Live history. Well, and, 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 and has certainly transitioned to sort of that in Tad, Ted Lasso. Where yeah, he's exactly. Sort of a, a, Which a I still need to watch. It's great. I still need to watch You'll that. like it. It's I'm sure I will. <laughs> I like him. You love Jason I like Sudeikis. I love it all. But yeah, so, so it, it, Michael Palin basically convinced him and John Cleese, not being a guy to, you know, say my way or the highway yeah. was like, you know, you're right. You're absolutely right. Kevin Klein is hilarious because he's he's an idiot. Yeah. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is very funny in this movie. I always like I was always <laughs> I always was of the opinion that Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, not that she was bad or anything, no. but I always thought like, okay, well, it's just it's the girl in the movie. Like she doesn't get a whole yeah. lot, but she's she. That's no. not true. That's not true at all. Looking at it from eyes now uh, of an older and wiser, yeah, absolutely, she is such she, a linchpin of this movie. Yeah, and without her, it wouldn't work. And she gets a lot of funny moments. Yeah. Her funny moments underplay. Yeah, um, which is funny because Otto is like the opposite. Yeah, <laughs> he's 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 very much out there. She gets a lot of really funny moments. Just kind yeah, of being under like funny understated. like quieter moments. Yeah. Exactly understated. But yeah, John Cleese. Um, again, like he wanted he wanted to make that part bigger, mm. and they said that's not going to work. No, and that's and that's what this movie needed. Like Archie needs to be kind of likable and kind of normal, uh, because at the end of the movie. She kind of does end up with him, so we right. want him to be the guy that we ultimately like out of all the people in this movie. And the and the best way they set that up is by getting us to go right into like his family life. Mm. And I do want to play a clip of yeah. him interacting with his. Like, like that's the thing too, Brendan, is that we have a character that we have to like, but he's also ultimately cheating on his wife. <laughs> so we have to be on his side a little yeah, bit. Absolutely. But to this movie's credit, 
they have this scene that I'm about to play, but they don't make the wife a total idiot. No, no, she's not like she's not like some like like shrew or anything. No, she's just a little uptight. I and guess. she's clearly a sexual being yeah. based on a later oh, yes. scene where she Absolutely. wants to get down. And I think they did get down off screen. Yeah, I, I think he. I think he took care of business. And then, of course, we have that great uh, comparison scene where Klein and Jamie Lee Curtis are getting it on yeah. really aggressively, yeah. and John Cleese and his wife are just going to bed in separate yeah. beds. And it's, just, it's just like like the most like staid married couple kind of shit, and then intercut with like this crazy aggressive fucking. Exactly. So yeah, here's a clip of uh, Archie and his uh, interacting with his wife and daughter. Again, daughter played by real by life way, daughter. I want to say quickly before you start this clip. So the daughter's name is Portia, right? Now, I know there's a joke later in the movie where he's like, he's so dumb. They're talking about Kevin Klein. He's so dumb that she thought that he thought that your daughter was named after the car. Now, when I watch this movie, I must have missed that joke the last two times I've watched this movie in my life because I always thought it, that was the joke is that her name was Portia after the car. But no, P-O-R-T-I-A, Portia, is a real, like Portia de Rossi. Mm-hmm. So since I became aware of Portia de Rossi, oh. I was in a position to understand this joke and it was only now watching the movie that I finally got it. Love Portia de Rossi. Yeah, she's great. Let's get more Portia de Rossi yeah. on the air. Fucking, come on, Portia, get to work. <laughs> get to <laughs> work? Stop being so goddamn lazy, Stop working. Start working the mines again. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's listen to Archie and his family. Hello, Wendy. Had a good day? I spend the morning trying to get the waste disposal man to come, have lunch with Marjorie Brooks, who takes up the entire meal complaining about her husband, then I have to play three rubbers with Philippa Hunter, and I come back here and Sanderson's have sent the wrong flowers. Oh, no. Would you like some tea? Yes. I won the case. This is the first moment I've had to myself all day. Hello, Portia. How was the show? Awful, Daddy. I've got to have a new horse. Well, look, I thought you liked Phantom. He's not fit for dog meat. Can I change him, please, Dad? It's absolutely vital and it won't cost much. Uh, well, all we do is ask Belinda if you can... the tea Yes, I am, darling. Sorry. I suppose I'm better. No, no, let me do it, please. No, I'll do it. I won the case. Oh, now this is cracked. He won the case and she won't acknowledge it. I love that, that he keeps saying, I won the case. And she's like, oh, this teacup is cracked. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, again, and, and again, I think when I originally watched this movie, I was like, oh, they are making her the shrew. But as we heard earlier, especially in that scene with Otto, mm. she's very smart. No, she's not stupid. She what? Well, she's very smart. I mean, I guess... Showing up, Otto is not difficult. Yeah. Who, by the way, gets very upset when you call him stupid. Yeah, we noticed that in that scene. And yeah, anytime in the movie he gets called stupid, he gets very, very upset. About don't, it. Uh, don't ever call me stupid. No, it's kind of like uh, Marty McFly when yeah, he gets called with, a, a chicken. Yes, for sure. Yeah, it's similar yeah. for sure. I assume that that was that was that that was the reference. Yeah, they were referencing Back that, to the Future. That was uh, okay. I was gonna, I even was hoping though, that's even though Back to the Future Part Two was a year after this movie, they were they were ahead of the game. They read the script and they referenced it. Did it not get referenced in the first one? I feel like it did. No. Nope. It only started in the second one? I don't one? believe it did. I'm pretty huh. sure. Now, folks, I want to be corrected if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure the chicken thing didn't come into the second movie. The egg or the chicken? What came first? <laughs> Let Jason know on Twitter. Add Jason D. McLeod. That's M-A-C-L-E-O-D. Damn straight. I'm getting you as many plugs as you can per Thank episode. You. I need all the followers I can get from my SEO. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the animals in this movie, because this was a major... Uh, 
one day maybe okay. maybe <laughs> no promises no we need to talk about the animal carnage in this movie yeah because this this was a this was a sticking point for some people and this was this was when i was uh, younger and watching this movie these were the funniest points of this movie to me because i'm a terrible person so the main thing of course is the um is the dogs owned by the old lady the old lady witness who mm. george is getting ken to rub out yeah uh, kill not jerk um, off. No, not jerk off. That'd be a far different movie. That would be a very different movie. Yeah, a fissure called Wanda. <laughs> Ouch. I don't know if that's a good pornography name. Anyway, so he's trying it's to not. He's it's trying really to, not. He's trying to kill this old woman. And the tragedy, the very dark, dark comedy here is that, you know, Ken is this animal lover, yes. and every time he tries to assassinate this old lady, one of her dogs gets yeah. killed. She has off. three dogs, and each time he tries to kill her, he manages to murder one of her dogs. A very cartoonish fashion. So it didn't bother me as much as maybe no. maybe some other movies it's, it's might. It's no old yeller. Certainly, it's not even a damn busters where no. I was more upset when that happened. But I well, mean, the we first... were more upset because of the dog's name in that movie. <laughs> well, I that's <laughs> not the dog's fault. <laughs> but but, but uh, in in the movie, like you know, in this movie, the the, the he sends an attack dog hmm. seemingly to yeah. kill her, but he just grabs one of the dogs and runs off. Yeah, um, <laughs> just takes off with it. Yeah. What What is the other? I know. What I know. A thing lands on one of the dogs. That's, that's the third one. No, okay, the second, the second one, one, one is he runs the dog over because he flattens it on the ground, and, and he it, means it looks to hit cartoonishly. Her. Yeah, he means to hit her. That was because that was funny because he was well funny depending on how you think about it he was dressed up as a sort of a rasta guy because he had like a, i was worried i thought he had brown face well, on that's first. the thing in, in the first bit where we see him in the car it does look like he has like like dirt smeared on his face like it looks like he's a little bit browned up but he's wearing like a like a big like like jamaican style hat and he's wearing dreadlocks and he's painted up his car in like jamaican colors and it says sensamia on the side yeah because <laughs> that, that's that's the people those are the people that drive the cabs apparently and so yeah he tries to run her down he runs the dog over and then of course the third one he tries to he has like a sniper rifle and, rather and you than, think he's gonna shoot you the think woman he's gonna in the shoot head. the woman which seems like the most reasonable thing to do if Easiest. you want to kill someone yeah but no instead he shoots a pulley which has a very large chunk of like marble or something which, that's thank, being which thank god that was there yeah thank god that was there but when it falls it misses the lady and it hits the the last dog and the one thing that hurt them in the test screenings is when they showed this. And so, you know, the scene where you see, like, you literally see the flat dog yes. and it's very cartoonish, yeah. right? It's very clearly fake. Originally, it was more realistic. Ooh, yeah, so no. they had like guts and yeah. like, and like a liver hanging out and stuff. And they, Ugh. and John Cleese quickly realized we need to go the other way with no, this. No, no, we have to treat this like a, like a Looney Tunes thing because otherwise, yeah. yeah, because that's the thing. Killing animals in movies is way more difficult than killing people. People have no problem when you murder like people in a movie, but if you do a dog gruesomely, no. I, I would honestly, honestly, I've watched so many horror movies where I'm like, 90% of these people could die and I wouldn't give a sweet fuck, but you kill that dog yeah. and I'll be very upset. Yes, absolutely. There was dog, a movie that, that dog didn't ask for that. There was a movie that came out a couple of years ago. John Wick. Uh, well, I mean, there's that. But no, there was a horror movie that came out a couple of years ago called Crawl. And okay. spoiler alert for Crawl, it's, a, it's great though, so yeah. you should all watch it. Um, but the whole movie, I think it was more tense than it probably would have been had there not been a dog. Uh. Because the whole time I was like, you better fucking, that dog, <laughs> that dog better fucking live. And there were so many parts where it landed in the water and the crocodiles were swarming around. And I was like, ah. But, spoiler alert, did the dog survive? The dog survived. Nice. So I was shocked and also relieved. So that's, that's actually the perfect horror movie because it's like all the humans get murdered. 
wonderfully, but then the dog survived. That horror movie spoke to me because it knew I was only caring about the dog. <laughs> as soon as the dog lived, they knew Lovely. they had me. Lovely. Yeah. So crawl, check it out. The, yeah. the dog lives. Um, but yeah, the animal carnage was the thing that people were uh, were pretty upset about. And yeah. then the funny thing is, I mean, the dark funny thing is, once the, all the dogs have died, she then just has a heart attack and dies. Yes. Ken comes down to check. He's been so stressed yes. because he's killed all these animals. <laughs> but as soon as he sees that she's died, he just starts laughing. He just starts laughing. And the crowd around him is like, wait, what's wrong with this guy? And he's just, ha, 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 and then takes off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh. Oh. God damn it. Um. I gotta say too, uh, there is a very interesting small part in this movie. Yeah, and it's an actor named uh, named Ken Campbell. Okay. He plays a character named Bartlett, and this is a character that is uh, John Cleese's assistant. So he's the character. So you remember when? Uh, and we'll play a clip of them meeting in a second. But you remember when 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 Wanda goes, or sorry, when George goes to meet with uh, with John Cleese, and they're talking about the case. Yeah. And then as George gets up, this other guy comes over and he says, tell Ken that the key is in the blah, 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 blah. That guy, so that guy is Ken Campbell. Mm. That guy um, has a Guinness World Record. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. For the, for the longest play in history, for staging the longest play in history at 22 hours long. Was it an Andy Warhol written play? Uh, not Andy Warhol, but it was uh, Neil Oram. His play was called The Warp. Huh. And uh, sometimes, you know, this play has been run many times, but usually not in its full 22-hour length. But yeah. this guy just did it. Jason, I want to talk about the fish-eating scene. Ooh. And I'm not talking about uh, some metaphor for oral sex. No, no, no. There's, I'm talking uh, about if there's where, oral sex in this movie, we don't see it. I'm talking about where uh, Otto has, uh, has Ken basically at gunpoint because he's just eating Ken's fish. Yeah. Um, what, what's funny about the scene is that Kevin Klein was like, you know, he was, he was looking forward to see how realistic they were going to make the like mechanics and everything. And they said, Hey, so here's a little piece of jelly. Just wriggle it around your hand. Make it look like it's moving and toss it in your mouth. <laughs> toss it in your mouth. And Kevin Klein was like, can I just eat fish? Like he and actually said, I will eat fish. And they and, said, and I imagine they said like, no, the ASPCA will shut us down. Yeah. We cannot <laughs> do that. And Kevin Klein was like, okay. All right, fine. Fuck you then. I'll but just that's, do another, that's another one of those animal scenes that people jumped on as being yeah. a little aggressive and tough to watch. But that's the thing. As long as you're not murdering actual animals, then I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I, I would much rather uh, a simulated scene like this than a scene where a horse just falls down in the 30s and you know they yeah. got killed. Yeah, because they didn't care. Yeah. Motherfuckers. But but in this in this scene where, you know, uh, Otto is, uh, is eating Ken's fish uh looking for information on the jewels or whatever um they're just little pieces of jelly that they gave him so he's just eating that uh and and um man it's brutal like it's still brutal though yeah no it is for sure and and it's clear because these fish all mean a lot to uh he eats wanda he eats wanda eventually yeah he swallows not jamie lee curtis no the fish wanda i mean he does but i don't think we see it i don't think he eats her i think he just fucks her because by the way, Jason, I don't know if you noticed, you must have noticed this, but Otto every now and then smells his own armpits Yeah, no, and I, gets I, off I, on it. No, for sure. And, and I got the sense that Otto has a real thing for smell. And that's fine. I'm, I'm, I'm not shaming his kink and that's fine, you know, but like that is clear because he like at one point he like has her like underwear and he has it in her face and he, I don't know if he smells her feet at one point. I uh, thought he was, see, I thought that was just a, th- a cartoonish thing where he was like so into himself that he was off on his own smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just. I think he just has a general thing for body odor. Okay. Yeah. 
And that's fine, Ken. Uh, not Ken. That's fine, Otto. We don't judge you for that. We judge you for being an idiot. And I want to say, too, this co- this was stood out to me is that this movie has two people from Monty Python, yeah. and they only share one scene together. Yeah, that's the fucked up thing, is that Archie comes in near the end of the movie and like like uh, basically unties Ken and lets him out, and that they only have that one scene together, which is a shame, because I love those two, and they're great together. I mean, they've obviously... But that's the thing, is that I'm sure they both understood, like, hey, we've performed together plenty. Like, we don't necessarily need to make this movie about us as members of Monty Python. It's more about... You know the movie as a whole, and and you know showing off Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin Klein in their fantastic roles. <laughs> the movie is very courteous to their American visitors. They do really highlight Jamie Lee Curtis and Kevin yeah. Klein a lot. No, everybody gets uh, a, a, a legitimate amount of screen time in this movie. Like, yeah. No, I don't feel like anybody's of the main cast is 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 you know. I do also. I do. I do think even George gets a few moments. Yeah, no, um, he's great too. I don't know who that guy is. Tom Georgeson. Tom Georgeson, right? <laughs> I I don't know him from anything else, but yeah, no, he's wonderful. I he's, I, do, I do like when he's in jail and he says to John Cleese, "Tell those pigs to fuck off." He's yeah. like, "Fuck off, pigs." Fuck off, pigs. And then they just say, "He's like, I said, fuck, fuck off." off. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I do want to play this clip of. Uh, this one scene of John Cleese and Michael Palin, where so basically at this point. Uh, Kevin Otto has kidnapped Wanda yes. and taken her to the airport because he wants to get those. Because jewels. they know where they know where the lockbox is now, and Wanda has the key. Lockbox. Lockbox. Uh, yeah, so they're off to the airport. Uh, John Cleese is like questioning uh, Ken Michael Palin, asking him where they could be, and of course his stutter uh, be- becomes a factor here. And where are they going? They're going to the what the? You will. No, no. What? Have you got a stutter? I, yeah, I, uh, oh, okay, fine. Don't worry, don't worry. Do you know where they've gone? Uh, fine, yeah. fine. Where? The car. The car? Hotel. Uh, hotel? Which hotel? That. And then immediately feels bad after no, telling no, him. No, that's the thing, because Archie ultimately is not a bad guy, despite his like cheating proclivities. He's not a terrible person. He doesn't want to insult this guy, but he's also, you know, he's like, I, you know, he says, oh, plenty of time, but clearly there's not a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's take a break, then we'll hear from our uh, sponsors, uh, and we'll be right back. God, we love our sponsors. They keep us going, don't they? I, you know what, folks? You got to understand, corporations are wonderful and business is fantastic and you should spend all your money on the businesses that we advertise on this podcast. Jason, do your your fucking thing. Age of Radio. Hey, it's... 
Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. That's all you get this week. Oh, okay. That's cool. (laughs) Just kidding. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. And bits and bobs. Bits and bobs. We've got some bits. And we've got bobs. We've got bits and bobs of Jason and sometimes Brendan butts in and says a few of his own. Yes, he does. Some bits and bobs with Jason and sometimes Brendan on First Green and Country, the podcast, the BFI-related podcast about movies. Bits and bobs. Anytime I see somebody reading Nietzsche in a movie, I'm immediately suspicious. You think there's some kind of incel? No, not necessarily. I know a friend who's read some Nietzsche, and it just reminds me of him. Uh, oh, I like how at the beginning each I I imagine you appreciated this, Jason, because the opening credits. What was unique about these opening credits? Uh, they weren't need a point. Well, each person got their credit by their face. Oh, did you not notice that? No, I didn't. All the four of the main people, their credit popped up when their face popped up in the movie. That's a very nice thing to do. That really drives it home. Yeah. I mean, as an actor, you want to, you know, have uh, marketability. And when you have that sort of thing happen, that helps increase it. And, and, and that's the thing is that I, I and I've said it before. I appreciate movies that, that clearly lay out the cast in the opening credits. And often we see that with older movies because older movies often front load the credits because there was no credits at the end. It was just the end and then it was done. Which well, th- I, honestly, folks, by the way, I'm going to say Hollywood. Fuck off. <laughs> Go back to that. That's great. Just fucking end the movie. Don't give me any post credit scenes unless it's immediately after the end. I like uh, I like the line where uh, after Kevin Klein or Otto, clearly Ken doesn't like Otto and he's being an asshole or whatever. Uh, Wanda comes over, makes up some lie like you know, oh his his father used to beat him up, yeah. and there's a beat, and then and then Ken Michael Palin goes, good, good, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that made me laugh a lot. I liked in the opening heist. Uh, one it was of very the violent. Yeah, it was very violent. But one of the characters has a crossbow. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's Otto. Yeah, Otto has a crossbow. No, and I, and that wonder if that's like a comment on the, the difficulties of obtaining firearms in England. It's much more difficult than say in the United States or even in Canada. Yeah, probably. Uh, poor doggies. Yes. Uh, I thought it was weird that Jamie Lee Curtis dressed as a man to be the driver of their getaway car. <laughs> but also, I guess at the time, even then, the idea of like a woman driving a car might have seemed out of place. So if she looked like a dude, that would probably cause less suspicion. Yeah. Uh, There's some sweet hatchback police cars. I feel like those police cars, they look like the same Toyotas that would have been used uh, in like the initial D anime, like drifting fucking hatchbacks. So I thought that was badass. Uh, we we neglected to mention that uh, Wanda also makes out with Ken at some point. 
Yeah, she does. She does kiss Ken. I mean, and you know what? Ken's been through rough times. I think he was uh, deserving of a little kiss. And I love how when she kisses him, because she's trying to find out, like, was she trying? Because she knows that the key, so the key to the safe is in the little treasure chest in the fish tank. She knows this. She knows that. But she doesn't know where it goes. So she's trying to find that out. She finds that out. And as soon as she kisses him, his stutter is gone. And he does, like, two full sentences. I love that. Yeah, he was... (laughs) perfectly happy at that he's point. like i know i don't know where it is he told me where it is but i don't know and then he like, kind of looks in the air like whoa <laughs> uh, a line that makes me laugh very much is we're the best brother and sister team since romeo and juliet <laughs> yeah <laughs> and even if you were my brother i would fuck you now th- th- and in this okay i mentioned uh a clip earlier that i was going to play and i had forgotten to but jason i do have to play this because i want to say that john cleese and jamie lee curtis despite their age difference yeah. i think they have very adorable chemistry oh they do for sure and and i, I mean, want jamie lee curtis is just she's just wonderful she is i think anybody could have chemistry with her she's so versatile for sure and did you know that jamie lee curtis has actually said if she has a scene in a movie where she has to kiss someone yeah. she'll tell them Let's go to my trailer and make out because when we go on screen, it has to look like we're not making out for the yeah, first time. Exactly. And, 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 you know, instead of doing like 15 takes of it, let's get it now. Let's get it out of the way. Let's get the, get, get the weirdness out. And then we'll go on screen. And you know, do it. And, and I understand, you know, obviously today we live in a time where that might be more difficult. I respect her commitment to the role to do that. I feel like she would ask. Yeah, no, she would ask for sure. And I, and I honestly, given Jamie Lee Curtis, especially in 1988, I don't think John Cleese or anyone's going to say no. Yeah, John, John, uh, the only person I could see saying no is maybe Michael Palin because he's so goddamn polite. He's just so nice, yeah. I think he was married at the time, too, so he maybe wouldn't want, certainly wouldn't want to cheat on his wife. Exactly. So let, <laughs> Exactly. So let's play the clip of uh, Wanda meeting Archie. And again, she's under false pretenses. Yeah, yeah she's pretending to be a law student uh, who's from America, you know, investigating the English uh, legal system. Right, so here we go. Don't I recognize you? No, no, I don't think so. Oh. But you are a famous barrister, aren't you? Uh, well, hardly. Well, could I have your autograph anyway? Uh, Yes, yes, certainly. Thanks. I'm studying aspects of your legal system. I'm American. Oh, really? Mm. I've only just started, though. It's fascinating. What um, what brings you here? Oh, it's a, it's a little embarrassing. I have a friend. Oh. Mm. Oh, I see. Well, there you are. I knew it. You're Archie Leach. Leach. Right. I I saw you in court. Uh, uh, two weeks ago. Uh, the casino breaking. Oh, you were great. Uh, well. Oh, I'm a big fan of yours. I love the way you uh, cross-examine. Oh, I really admire your work. Thank you. <sighs> well, I better not keep you, you anymore. No, no, fine. Right. right, right. Well. Thank you for this. I'll treasure it. So what's great about this scene, Brendan, is that she is using a form of social engineering to get what she wants. Because she doesn't know anything about Archie. No. No. But when she's like, oh, I saw your case two weeks ago. And then he fills it in. He says the casino case. She's like, oh, my God, she, that's so amazing. She, she's like Long Island medium. She's perfect. She is, she's do you know doing, what I mean, though? No, no, absolutely. Okay. She's cold reading him. Yeah. She's doing exactly what you need to do in this situation if you want to fucking fuck with someone. And that is so wonderful. And and props to the uh, to John Cleese and, and Charles Crichton and whoever else wrote this movie with them. I mean, I guess all the cast. But like that is a wonderful... 
demonstration of her as a criminal that she has accomplished and knows how to get what she wants. Yeah, and she, like honestly, they make her probably the smartest person in no, the movie. No question, no question. Everybody else is stupid compared to her. She I is, mean, yeah. At the end of this movie, if she had not gone with John Cleese, she would have had the diamonds no matter what. You could almost argue that the all the female characters are the smartest because yeah. Wendy. Oh, it's funny because her name is Wendy. It's very close to Wanda. Yes. But Archie's wife, Wendy, is smarter than him, I would say. Well, and that comes into play because of the necklace that uh, Wanda has that has a W on it. And, and she, Yeah, and she loses it. She loses it. And then, of course, uh, Wendy thinks that it's for her, that it's a gift. From and John Archie Cleese. can't be like, no, it's this other chick I'm yeah. banging. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, Wanda wants it back because, as we later learn, it has the key in it. So Archie fakes a break-in yeah. <laughs> and and hilariously he fakes a burglary that's when Otto shows up to apologize Otto's still stalking him for fucking with him yeah. and in throughout the apology he beats the shit out he of him he beats the shit because he thinks he, he, he walks into the house and legit thinks that this guy is robbing Archie's house so at this point he's like yeah Archie's a friend of mine so he and, fucking beats the shit out of him and then what's hilarious is that <laughs> he has a real hard time saying sorry but he can yeah. say sorry when Archie is unconscious yes he's like oh yeah sorry he, he kicks him in the ribs a couple of times which I, I wonder if that was cut from the British version because for a long time that was like no no in Britain if you kick somebody in the ribs while they were down that was a no no that got cut from Evil Dead oh, uh, I believe that's uh, weird in, that, in the British version of that movie because that was a no no why I don't know British have weird things it was like how Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, back in the day was called Ni- Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles in Britain wow because something was wrong with Ninja also Michelangelo using nunchucks was a no go because nunchucks were illegal in Britain that's crazy. Yeah. I'm sure they're probably I mean, not I guess legal here. It was, I, I guess because it was geared towards children. I yeah, get yeah, that. Yeah, maybe, but it's strange. Yeah. <laughs> no, I do like when he... Uh... Yeah, and then, and then, of course, Otto in the car, when he's trying to apologize, he's like, I... Ap- I... Ap- oh, fuck you! He <laughs> <laughs> can't even do it. Oh... Um, I was wondering, watching this movie, if Otto was maybe on the spectrum. Like, I, I don't know that that was something that they maybe thought of at the time. But I think but he feels like he's just he's just a little off. Yeah, I don't think he knows how to interact with people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. He he has this he has this sort of like fake charisma that he can do, but it's not. You don't necessarily get the impression that he understands it, but he he knows how to use it. You know. I I, I love the speech where uh, uh, Archie talks about the perils of being English. Mm. He's like, you have to be stuffy and you have to do this and this and this. And you're like, you're thinking about it like, It's a constant fear of embarrassment. Yeah, but you're thinking about like, oh, who wrote this? Oh, wait, John Cleese wrote this. So he's got every right to do this speech. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. That's why part of this, that's why this movie feels so genuine, I think, is that it is coming from the the mouth of a British person. Yep. The music, the soothing romantic music kind of reminded me of Local Hero. Yeah. Kind of synthy 80s. Yeah, just yeah. like nice. Yeah. Uh... When Wanda asked uh, Archie if he was rich when they were off <laughs> at the cabin or whatever, that should have been a red flag. Yeah. And in fact, that ties into the alternate ending, which we'll talk about at the end. Oh, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, Otto doing his little sword dance was fun when he's like standing in the mirror and like dancing around with a sword. <laughs> he's just such a fucking weirdo. I bet you he saw that Wanda was coming and was like, I'm going to make it look yeah. like I've been doing this for hours. I'm an impressor. I'm going to look like uh, 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 that movie we literally just talked about with Julie Christie. Julie Christie. Far from, far far from, from the Madden crowd. Far from, from the Madden crowd. Yeah. Far from home is a different movie. <laughs> That's, I think that's about dogs or but like, birds. But like where, where the British soldier in that movie was doing that crazy dance with the sword and like swiping around her and stuff. And then he, at the end, he tells her that it's actually sharp. 
Like that kind of reminded me of the same sort of peacocking that uh, that Kevin Klein was doing. Yeah, that reminded me of the sort of peacocking that Kevin Klein was doing. Exactly. Uh, yeah, auto is a thing for smells. We already talked about that. Yeah, I like that when Otto is interrogating uh, Ken and the whole fish eating scene. He's asking him. So you notice he's asking him trivia questions about yeah. psychology. Yeah, but his or philosophy. No, 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 but philosophy. Yeah. But his questions are like. Who wrote this book? And in what book does yeah. he say this? They're not anything. It's no. clear he has no understanding no. of these concepts. No, no, he just knows where to find he's them. He's asking the most like elementary school questions yeah. about like who wrote it. And it's who a scavenger said this. hunt. Yeah, it's a, yeah exactly. And he he doesn't he doesn't ask any questions about the philosophy. Like if he just started asking some esoteric questions about the philosophy to Ken, that would be one thing. But instead of asking these like like bullshit test questions that you would write in high school if you're taking a high school philosophy course, which I never did. I don't know if there was a philosophy course at CEC, Copperquid Educational Center in Toronto, Nova Scotia, but uh, if there was, I didn't take it. Excuse me, they're not a sponsor. No, they're not. And uh, so CEC, please send us money. Uh, we would like $100, care of Jason McLeod. $100 per minute of this podcast. Yeah, I'm giving you free plugs. If you want to send your kids to high school, folks, send them to... Jason, uh, if that happened, I would stop working and record this every day. <laughs> Folks, if there's anybody out there, if there's any rich people that are listening and they would like to bankroll us, uh, we would love that. Because I would love to not work anymore. I work at a, at a convenience store. We used to sell gas. We don't need more. And honestly, I would rather do this all day. And they sell British movies, too. Uh, yeah, actually, we do. We do have DVDs and Blu-rays <laughs> that we have in a rack near the cash. Jason, I want to talk about airport security in 1988. Airport 75. Uh... Maybe one day. Well, the, yeah, because this was before 9-11, obviously. Well, several years before. <laughs> several but, years. But what I think is hilarious, Otto is going through the metal detector, and yeah. he has a gun, and he just sticks his <laughs> arm out, throws it in the air, goes around, through the metal detector, catches the it. metal detector. Yeah, and just catches it. No one's looking. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody cares. Sees it. There's clearly no cameras there. But also, they're like fucking around on the tarmac out in the airport, and you think that in a modern era, they would they would not allow that to happen. You would be arrested. Yeah. You can't just be out on the tarmac. You can't just run out on the tarmac and get on your plane. Not anymore. Um, I like how when when we get to the climax, when they're at the airport, uh, Archie knows exactly what to say. Because Otto has him at gunpoint. Yeah. And Archie knows exactly what to say to prolong this. Like, he doesn't want to get shot, so he's bringing up Vietnam. He's bringing up, like, uh, <laughs> eh, we whipped your hat real yeah. good. He just wants to delay him long enough for Ken to get there. And and he does exactly what he needs to get. And Ken yeah. is driving a fucking steamroller. This is and, like the scene from Austin Powers where he's, like, on the steamroller <laughs> and the guy's screaming no. <laughs> but in this one, at least it makes sense yes. because Otto is stuck in the cement. Mm -hmm. And Ken hilariously is like, revenge! Revenge! <laughs> um, can you tell we like this movie folks we do like this oh movie. sorry and then Otto as he's dying is like what the fuck where, where Otto gets mad and hangs uh, John Cleese out the window and he's like I, I unobtrusively apologize for everything I said and any of the harm that would have come to you or your family uh, I, I sincerely apologize <laughs> what's great about that part is they start off with the, the shot is upside down, so yeah. John Cleese just looks like he's standing in front yeah. of a building. And then as he's apologizing, the camera turns yes. and we see that he's being literally hanged yes. by his feet. A classic a classic cinema trope, but never unwelcome. And a very British cinema yes. trope, I thought. <laughs> I was almost under the impression that this was like a US-UK co-production. And I don't know if that's like a Mandela effect or something, but... 
It's well, very much a British film. I think you think that because it did so well on the on our side of the pond. It's probably it's probably why I fe- I thought that about like Four Weddings and a Funeral on the Full the Monty, Full Monty. Yeah, because yeah. they both did so well. They've actually yeah caught this, on over here. This movie fucking made bank. And folks, I want to say right now, and it may be a controversial opinion, but I'm going to say it out loud. I think British movies deserve more attention. I don't know if that, yeah, of course. No, I, and I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if anybody attacks me for it. I don't care if people cut for my throat to cut my throat because I said this. You don't care if they tax you for no, it? No, I don't care if they tax me. I don't care if they attack me. I don't care if they come for me. British care movies if, are pretty cool. I don't care if they attack me, tax me, or attacks me. That's right. Never. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brendan. Attacks me, starring Jimmy Fallon and Queen Latifah. I also want to mention, so we, have a, scene, we have a scene where, uh, so... Uh, Archie takes uh, Wanda to this uh, apartment and it's an apartment of a friend of his that had given him a key. And it's a, it's a fucking beautiful apartment folks. If I could take my wife there, I would because it's wonderful. Oh, they were going to say, if you could take your mistress there. No, no. Where would you take her, Jason? I don't have a mistress. I have a wife. That's not what you said before we started recording. Brendan, I need you to shut up (laughs) and not blow my spot up. Wait, what are you passing me right now? Okay, hold on. That's right. You take that, put that in your pocket. Uh, Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. Thank you. Thank you. I won't talk about him um, anymore. So there's a scene in this apartment where, of course, they want to get busy. And I think, I believe Jamie Lee Curtis is like, please like, make love to me. And Well, because he started speaking Russian. Yeah. Yeah. He's getting a real, real going. And so he like, ta- so she's like, take off your clothes. I'm going to get ready. He takes off his clothes and then the door opens and there's a whole family there. Uh, mom, dad, children. And, and then he puts... To cover his junk, yes. he puts a portrait of mom, <laughs> of mom. in front of his mom. <laughs> and then it turns out they, he's like, oh, wait, you can't be here. I got this key from the guy that owns it. And they're like, yeah, we rented this place. Which the guy neglected to tell him. Yeah, neglected to tell Did him. You know, do you know um, the little bit of background behind the scene, by the way? Yeah. Um, this was supposed to be Jamie Lee Curtis getting caught naked. Oh. And she basically said to John Cleese, you know, I feel like that's so cliche. And yeah. like, I've gone through these scenes so many times in my career already yeah. in 1988. Like she was already naked in trading yeah. places. That was okay. five years before this. Yeah. And she's like, wouldn't it be like, wouldn't it be funnier if it was you? Like, she's like, not that I don't want to get naked, but I just think it'd be funnier if it was you. And John Cleese was smart enough to be like, yes, He's it like, would be. Exactly. You're, <laughs> you're 100% correct. And it does. It works wonderfully because John Cleese is being John Cleese and it's very funny. And then it turns out they find out that, uh, him and his wife had bought their house from this couple. <laughs> oh, how funny this is. How weird that we would meet each other. Yeah. <laughs> so great. I have it written down here. Yes, well, that's it then. Oh, chaos in the court. So we have the court scene where, so George is on trial. and Because, um, he, yeah, because Wanda sold him out. Wanda he doesn't know this. Well, he doesn't know this yet. So, so one of the things about this movie is that Wanda was a witness in the case. And when she initially went to Archie, uh, he finds out that she is a witness. And he's like, well, we can't talk to each other. That's not appropriate. And then, of course, she seduces him. And then she seduces him. And then, of course, he's like, well, we can talk, but we don't have to talk about the case. As long as we can't talk about the case. But then, of course, she keeps needling We can talk about, about it in theory. In theory, yeah. But so at the court... Um, he comes in with an idea and brings her in and they're supposed to be defending George, but she just sells him out of the stand. She's like, oh, he left at seven to, uh, five to seven. I was like, oh, well, why do you remember that? Well, I thought it was kind of strange. I looked at the clock and thought, oh, that's strange. He's wearing, he's leaving at five to seven. And why is he taking that sawed off shotgun with him? <laughs> and George goes crazy. George goes fucking nuts. George like, like runs at her. He wants to beat the fuck out of her in court. And of course it turns into a craziness and they grab him. And then everybody ends up emptying out of the court. And then all that we are left with is John Cleese in the court. And, and I gotta just, say, British courts 
1988, get some fucking security. Yeah, absolutely, because they get everybody out. But then he just kind of like sits up. He's the only guy in there, and he's like, "Well, that's it then." <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, okay, may, oh, maybe I'll wait till you get to the end. Uh, let's see. Otto steals Wanda and heads to the airport. Ken and Archie follow, of course, and when that's that's when we see Stephen Fry. Uh, I was looking for other British actors in this movie that I recognized, and Stephen Fry was the only one that showed up. And like I say, you only had three lines, but Stephen Fry, I love you, and please come on our podcast. <laughs> you don't even have to watch a movie. We just talk to you. Oh, yeah, I'll just interview the guy. We'll just interview the guy. Sure. Uh, so, so the last notes I have is that there's poor security at the airport. We did not lose Vietnam. It was a tie. That's a great line. Uh, Ken finally asserts himself by murder of... Um, well... Well, it seems like murder of Otto. He, and then he loses his stutter. He's he like does. He's like all of a sudden to speak properly. He's like, he's finally like got his confidence. He seemingly kills Otto, gets yeah. gets rid of his stutter, and then Otto, of course, is on the side of the plane later. Yeah. They, they when, get on the plane, they take off to Rio de Janeiro, Archie, and then Otto is on the side of the plane. Yeah, Archie and Wanda yeah. take off. And then, of course, the last moments of the movie is when he gets flung off the plane and yeah. goes, asshole! But he does not die. No. Because at the end of the movie, we have sort of an Animal House type uh, finale where we explain that uh, Archie and uh, Wanda moved to South America and had 17 children. And and run a leper colony? And run a leper colony, I, which I is will such s- a Monty Python-like line. Sure. I will <laughs> say, though, that I don't think this really works. This whole th- part this is the one thing that doesn't really work for me. <laughs> like, I, okay, I get if it's like absurdist. I, maybe it would have helped more if there was a narrator saying it i don't know i just i love the idea of like they moved in form of leopard colony like that is such a monty python line that is definitely a john cleese line There's i feel no awful question. i feel awful for awful for ken because he becomes a master of ceremonies at SeaWorld. he's about to find out some real dark shit about SeaWorld. yeah um and then yes Otto becomes a minister of justice in south africa yeah which is which is hilarious because at that time that is during the apartheid regime so that is of like of course he would be there yeah so he's super racist now What's interesting is that I read that that in the novelization of the Fierce Creatures film, there is an opening uh, letter from Archie that explains, for whatever reason, what happened to everybody, and that the, the Otto eventually did leave South Africa, <laughs> uh, and it apparently went to see Ken at one point, and Ken told him to fuck off. I want to mention Kevin Klein's uh, quote about. Uh, so I talked a little bit about Kevin Klein having an issue, kind of finding out who Otto is. Yeah. And he, they said, the other cast said, there were so many times when he said, who, who is this guy? Who is this guy? That John Cleese actually had a t-shirt printed that said, who is this guy? <laughs> and he would just wear it around the set. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, but Kevin Klein was like, I never understood the character. He said, I kept saying, who is this guy? John had a t-shirt printed that said, who is this guy? Because he was such an amalgam of contradictions. He seemed to be a buffoon and an idiot, but he's a good shot and he's got some physical strength. But I learned something from it. He said, that actually not understanding the character is sort of all right. It I, is. And he says, I realized it was a tribute to John's writing because well-written characters are inconsistent or contradictory and trying to reconcile the contradictions is maybe a fool errand at the end of the day yeah and 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 the proof uh, of the pudding is in the eating and we watch this movie and we see that the character works whatever he thought whatever shit he was going through maybe he didn't understand at the time but on screen everything fucking works jason p 
people test audiences actually this is a testament to kevin klein's acting yeah. because otto is an unlikable character yeah, for sure but he is so good in this movie that test audiences were like we don't want him to die so yeah. you know when he gets steamrolled <laughs> yeah originally he just dies oh really like if you watch the it's on youtube you can watch the original scene he is very clearly dead you can see like red in the cement yeah. and what happens is he holds his boarding pass up in the air so that's how archie gets the boarding pass oh. is uh auto is holding it up and as he's holding it up he does like a middle finger <laughs> as he dies Archie gets it. They go on the plane. There's no scene of him clinging to the plane. Oh, okay. He's dead. Um, Ken also, Ken doesn't lose his stutter. So he says, I lost my st- And then he just gets nah. it back right away. And then even darker, because this movie was originally much darker at the end, we see that Archie and Wanda are together. And then as soon as they land, there's a shot where they we pan down to Wanda's uh, boots, mm. and we see that she has another one of those bars. In the back <laughs> of her boot. So it's like, oh, she's going to turn on everyone. That I, I might have liked that ending to it if they'd have gone with that. Uh, Jamie Lee <laughs> Curtis was not super happy that they reshot that, and she doesn't. Obviously, this is not a John Cleese decision. This is no. a studio decision. Yeah. Um, but the stu- but the test audience is just, and that maybe that speaks also to the chemistry between those two because yeah. the audiences really want them to work as yeah. a couple. Yeah, they are great together. And, in this movie. and Jamie Lee Curtis is like, well, I kind of get that, yeah. but I liked how much darker it was originally. Yeah, when you pan down and there's a and there's a rebar in the boot, that's great. Yeah, I, I like that idea a lot. Yeah, but yeah, I thought I just thought that was interesting how it was changed so much. Um, but Jason, this movie goes to the Oscars famously. Famously goes to the Oscars. Talk about the nominations first. There's two nominations that it does not win. Yeah. Do you want to venture a guess? Uh, best supporting actor and best no nominations uh, that it does not win. Oh, uh, best best uh, actor and best score. No, it is nominated for best original screenplay, mm-hmm. which goes to Rain Man. Okay, and it is nominated for best director for Charles Crichton, which oh. goes to Barry Levinson for Rain, Rain Man. Man. Yeah, Rain Man <laughs> was a big year for Rain Man. It was a big year for him, which is a great movie, by yeah. the way. And watch it again. It's not one of those. Oh, the Oscars loved it. It's genuinely great. Uh, it wins a major Oscar, though. It wins for Best Supporting Actor for Kevin Klein. He yes. takes home the gold. Deservedly. The other nominees that year, I thought it was interesting. Alec Guinness for a movie called Little Dorrit. Don't know it. Uh, Dean Stockwell for Married to the Mob. Oh, I love Dean Stockwell. Uh, Martin Landau for Tucker, The Man in His Dream. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then River Phoenix for Running on Empty. Movies, I none of, the mo- none of those I've seen. But all actors I know. Yes. So... Um, at the BAFTAs, it received several nominations and uh, a couple wins. It is nominated for Best Actress for Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, the winner that year is Maggie Smith for a film that you and I watch uh, whenever we hang out. This is yes. our pre-podcast yeah, movie that we watch yes. all the time. Uh, the Lonely Passions of Judith Hearn. Oh, we love we love Judith Hearn's Lonely Passions, don't we? It's <laughs> <laughs> like the soap opera. <laughs> Uh, Best Supporting Actress, Maria Aiken, is nominated. Wendy. She played uh, okay, for Wendy. Yeah. Um, the winner that year is Judy Dench for A Handful of Dust. Wow. Maggie Smith and Judy Dench in the same year winning awards. I know, God right? <laughs> Best Direction, Charles Crichton again. The winner, though, is Louis Mal for Goodbye Children. Don't know that. Um, Best Editing, the winner is actually Fatal Attraction. Okay. Gun Close. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was just her. One and man Michael show. Michael Douglas? Yep. Okay. You should watch that movie. It's great. Yeah. It's like a classy Basic Instinct. Wait, he was in that and Disclosure? Basic Instinct? Oh, he was in all three. Wow. Yeah. Damn, Michael. Fatal Davis. Attraction is the better of the three. Okay. Then it goes Basic Instinct. 
then it goes disclosure. My hand is near <laughs> to the ground. Um, best film it is nominated for, won by The Last Emperor. Okay. Is that Christian Bale in that movie? Uh, Young Christian Bale? I don't know. It's a Bertolucci, Bertolucci movie? movie. Oh, okay. Bernardo Bertolucci. What am I thinking of? I think that's what it is. Okay. I don't know. Uh, best original screenplay it was won by A World Apart. I believe that's a Clint Eastwood film. Okay. Nope, that's a perfect world. I don't know what a world apart is. I have no idea. And (laughs) it wins Best Supporting Actor, Michael Palin. Nice. And Best Lead Actor, John Cleese. Well, they got to give it to the Brits. Funny enough, Kevin Kline is actually nominated for Best Lead Actor at at the BAFTAs, but does not win. But at I the mean, Oscars, he won Best Supporting yeah, Actor. Yeah, I know, and that's a weird, weird political thing. But, like, yeah, he definitely would qualify for a lead actor role. He has enough screen time in that movie. I think he's the lead. I think he and Jamie are co-leads. Yeah. I think uh, I think Cleese and Palin are the supporting, if anything. Yeah, more than anything. Maybe I mean, Cleese, Archie's sort of the main character Cleese in a lot of ways. Lead. But, yeah, yeah uh, y- y- there's no argument to be made. There's no argument to be made. Palin, definitely supporting. Yes. There's no question. Um in uh, in 1989, here's a little story for you, Jason. When this movie was shown in theaters in Denmark, there was a Danish man named Ole Benson. Uh, he literally laughed himself to death uh, in the scene where Ken uh, is being tortured and he gets well, the chip stuck up his nose. As now, I understand, he had like a heart infraction that, that, or, or something that, that happened while he was laughing. Well, the story behind this is that this guy, Ole, had made a joke uh, with his family during dinner where he put a piece of cauliflower up his and everyone's nose as a joke and made a bet with them on who could eat up their carrots without the cauliflower falling out of their nose. <laughs> so when the scene with Ken getting the chips stuck up his nose came up, he yeah. started thinking about this dinner and just laughs, laughed and laughed. People said that he la- he was laughing the whole fucking movie from that point forward. Um, and, you know, it's kind of got this reputation, like, is it an urban legend? But it was confirmed by his son who told the story about the dinner and it, it, I think it happened. Michael yeah. Palin said th- these are some quotes from Michael Palin and John Cleese. I just think are funny. Michael Palin says that was an extraordinary and dreadful accident. Yes. He must have laughed very hard indeed. Quite a tribute. Yeah. And yes, everything you write comes around to kick you in the arse later, <laughs> kick you up the arse later in life. I think Python was actually a series of premonitions that are gra- gradually coming true. <laughs> John Cleese said, "I think it's the ultimate compliment." Yeah. He started laughing after about fifteen minutes in and literally never stopped. We tried to contact his widow because we wondered about using this in the publicity. I think though that we decided it was in too bad taste. Yes, I mean that. Yes, that would be very Python esque to do that. He sure. said. He said though. I think we all have to go, and I think laughing yourself to death is a nice way to do it. I think yeah. if Graham Chapman had did this, they would have done that as a promotion. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, and, and 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 folks, if I could die laughing myself to death, I think I'd be a die happy. Or sex. Either yeah, way sex is good. Too. Sir, if I could die laughing during sex. Oh wow. That would be the best. Oh, okay. Um, I will say too that uh, this movie cost eight million dollars to make. Jason, you want to venture a guess as to how much it made? Was it like sixty-four million? In the U.S., it made one hundred and seventy-eight million dollars. Wow. What a return on a movie made in nineteen eighty-eight! That's fucking nuts. That's crazy, right? No wonder it was such a huge hit. A huge hit, and that's why they made, of course, the just as good follow-up, Fierce, Fierce Creatures, Creatures, in yeah, nineteen ninety-seven. Like <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Fish called Wanda. Fuck. Jason, I mean, people know we like this, yeah. but I mean, tell, the, tell the people anyway. Uh, I liked this movie when I was a kid because I love John Cleese, but watching this movie as an adult, I like it even more. This is, it just holds up. It holds up. Like, there's nothing in this movie that feels particularly dated. I mean, I suppose other than when Kevin Bacon, or Kevin Bacon, I'm trying to Kevin Bacon was in Kevin this Bacon movie. Kevin Bacon was not in this movie. 
when Kevin Klein drops an f bomb, uh, the bad f bomb. But you expect that from that character. I expect that from that character, but that does like kind of peg it as an 80s movie in the same way that in Bill and Ted they drop an F-bomb and it pegs it as an 80s movie. See, I think it's worse than Bill and Ted because those are characters we're supposed to love. Yes. And when they say it, it's weird. It is a bit weird. When but in this movie, this guy's a dickhead anyway. Yeah, so. when Otto says it, I'm like, that tracks. Um, but, but yeah, no, this movie's hilarious. It's great. Everybody's fantastic in it. It holds up after all these years. It is not dated at all. I, I highly recommend it. And I'm just relieved to have another movie where we have a strong female lead. Yeah. Because these are few and far between. And as sure. we as we go on to other things that we have planned, I think our next big section, Jason, is going to be even worse than that. Mm, in probably, terms. yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? We're going to try. Yeah. We're going to try to add actresses to movies. Hopefully. Um, no, obviously, yeah. No, this movie's terrific. I, I wasn't sure... I mean, I wasn't sure how it was going to hold up, but this time. But I, I mean, I didn't think it was. I didn't have any uh, no. any worries. I didn't think that I would watch it and be like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, no, this movie's great. It's fantastic, and it's a it's perfect. I would say that if you are a novice, maybe to the style of British comedy, this mm. would be a good way to get in. Good entry for sure, yeah. because there's enough of like what makes a Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. And and a British movie. There's there's that maybe that's why I was always under the impression that it was a U.S. U.K. co-production. Yeah, because it's not, but it's certainly a mashing of those sensibilities. For sure, Absolutely. comedically, we 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 definitely we have an even cast, sort of main cast between British and Americans, so we get a good mix of each. Yeah, exactly. But now, Jason, now is the time. Now is the time when we need to find out what fucking movie. We're going to talk about next week, and there ain't many left. What fucking movie are we going to talk about, Brendan? So, I don't know. Why don't you grab that envelope? We've got a few movies left in there, and you are going to draw, my friend. Is it my draw? I thought it was your draw. Well, we were... No, I think you get the draw because... Oh, right, because last week we were remote. We were remote. Control. The movie. All right, so I'm reaching into the envelope. You can hear it as I speak, and I'm going to grab a single piece of paper. Well, you need to give me the, the piece of the, the piece of paper. Not the envelope. You get the piece of paper. Oh no! It fell to the ground. All right, Jason. So let's take a look here. It looks like you drew number. We're not going that far. Number forty-three. Okay. Which is uh, the the film A Man for All Seasons, nineteen sixty-six, hmm. directed by Fred Zinnemann, who also directed Day of the Jackal. Robert Shaw is in it. From, well, from a movie that you've never seen, Jason, from Jaws. He oh, plays Quint. Oh, Robert Shaw. Okay, Quint okay. in I Jaws. Gotcha, I gotcha, I gotcha. Yeah. And Orson Welles is Ooh, also in it. Ooh, very cool. So we will talk about A Man for All Seasons next week, 1966. Um, and then after that, we are in the final five. And we yeah. still have two movies by the same director. Two John Schlesinger movies. Which we could get back to back. And a Gary Oldman. And Gary Oldman and a Mike Lee and a Carol Reed. So there we go. Man for all seasons. But until next week, Jason, I just got to say you can find us on all the podcast apps. Our home base is, of course, Age of Radio. But look everywhere. We're there. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at FSAC Pod. That's FSAC Pod for Screen and Country Podcast. Uh, you can find us on TikTok at For Screen and Country. Is mm-hmm. that correct? I technically still there. <laughs> we can find uh, Jason on Twitter at Jason D McLeod. That is M A C L E O D. Please come by and correct me. I would rather be correct than right. Yeah, and he doesn't. He 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 will join up with you if you're from the UK as a real co-production on his Twitter. There you go. So uh, hit us up, make us laugh, make us cry. 
Make us fly. Make us high. Well, we can do that. We can, and we will. And we will immediately after this podcast. That's right. Uh, so a man for all seasons next week. So until then, Jason, I just got to say to you, God save the queen. God save the screen. And for screening country, I'm Brendan. And I'm Jason. It's a fish. It's a Wanda. It's a Wanda fish. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to 